Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't like blood and guts, but I love them when they're lengthily of the morning to you. Well, top of the morning to you, too. Thank you. <laughs> leprechaun. Um, Leprechaun O'Gorley? Re- leprechaun O'Gorley. Oh, no. Have I mentioned that I need me gold? You just got evil because you remembered how you need your gold. <laughs> and I remembered how my mask goes from smiley and friendly to toothy and course. Now, I have a question, Leprechaun O'Gorley. Yes, the distinguished gentleman from with Gorley and Rust. <laughs> Would, uh, do you think those were, did you have to wear two different masks for that? I had to wear three. There were four originally, but thank you to Bradley Palmer's notes, I learned that I only wore three of the four. Yes, we want to thank researcher Bradley Palmer for letting us know, as you said, Leprechaun for telling, me about myself. For telling you about yourself. Yes. Um, adding O'Gorley, uh, just the O to your name, reminded me on St. Patrick's Day at school, that's what we did. You either had a choice between adding Mick before your last name or O. Wow, that's name. funny because Gorley used to be... It was actually Mac Gorley. I was going to say, it's yeah. probably... Because uh, we were Scots-Irish. Hold on. You I know you this whole me. Time? I still want me gold. It does make me question if, if they had a scene... I guess a leprechaun is born a leprechaun by leprechaun parents. But if he was somehow <laughs> cursed, cursed to be a leprechaun, and yeah. you saw some like flashback scene of like Warwick Davis being a regal prince... And like oh, seeing right. a leprechaun and being like, that piece of shit, I'll never have to be him. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many leprechaun sequels are there? Multiple, right? You feel like they got to get into his backstory at some point. Yeah. When I typed in leprechaun movies, <laughs> it said leprechaun movies eight. And I was like, oh, eight? Geez. So seven sequels. So that's like Corn Kids, Hellraiser. All these direct-to-video sequels and a real life for the franchise. Yeah, how many now? That's a, that's a great the titles you listed. Um, I'm trying to think of the um, movies we've done where we kind of. I think this would be one of the first where we're like 
dust our hands and go, hey, let's be up front. Might just be the original here. Might not be the whole franchise. I can tell you with definitive. Oh, <laughs> definitively from old Mick Gorley. Unless the trustees force nominated into a commentary. I'm, I'm not interested in exploring the Leprechaun franchise any further. I think I've seen the first four. Have you really? Yes, because when I, when it was nearing the end of the first one, I was like, wait a minute. I remember a really great line that I haven't heard yet that I, Googled the line and it was like Leprechaun 2. I was like, ah. Oh. What was the line? Uh, Don't worry, you're not going to spoil it. <laughs> Leprechaun 2 has the line. Um, I think he falls in love with the Jennifer Aniston of that movie. And uh, he goes, try as they will, try as they might. It's going to be one hell of a wedding night. <laughs> oh, God. No, that's disgusting. Uh, and oh. I was, so I Googled one hell of a net wedding night. Uh, and then it said Leprechaun too, like I said. So wow. I was uh, bummed out. But I think I got all the way up into space. Yeah, I believe that is true. And uh, that's when I tapped out around four. But Wait, he gets to space in four? I Here's so. my predictions for five, six, seven, eight. They go to inner space. Where <laughs> inside him? Yes. Dennis Quaid goes inside him. <laughs> Part six is they go to the core with Hillary Swank. Part seven. The core of Hillary Swank yes. or the core with? Or Both. Hillary. Okay. They go. He goes to the core with Hillary Swank and he's like, that's not enough. <laughs> and then he goes inner space style building on part five yes. into Swillery Hank. Uh-huh. And and hangs out there. Part seven. Yes. He teams up with the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> right, of course they And they Robin Banks with nun masks. <laughs> uh-huh. Part eight. Then there's that part eight. He just goes to hell. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never comes back. Never comes back. Just Turns into a buttworm. Toils in hell as a yeah. buttworm. Well, if you haven't already guessed by the fact that you presumably pressed play on this podcast. And this saw is, the title. Yeah. With Gorley and Rust, I'm Matt Gorley. And I'm Paul Rust. And today we're talking about Leprechaun on our easy listening uh, horror movie podcast. Ah, yeah, man. Listen, <laughs> we've got we've got a batch of news. This is this is the nightly news with Lester Holt here. That's how much news we've got. Buckle in. Some of it is business, but a lot of it is exciting. Yeah, gosh, good golly. We do have a, a batch of uh, a news here. Yeah. I so, feel like, yeah, like a, a regular Cronkite. <laughs> <laughs> so stick with us here and then we'll get to Leprechaun. Let's get the uh, regular business out of the way first. Mm -hmm. Go to patreon.com slash with Gorley oh, Rust. Yeah. Become a trustee. Subscribe at any level you feel fit. And you can get uh, mailbag episodes, feature-length commentaries, hey, hey, hey. bonus ranking, cozy tournaments, cozy ooh, bracket episodes. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> if you subscribe at the highest level, the baby xenomorph level, you get your name <gasps> read on the podcast simply Subscribe and email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com. We're going to save those for the end. Ooh, okay. I think from now on, mm -hmm. because they're getting a little bit more involved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we'll do what we used to do. We'll end our movie review, and before giving the rankings, we'll read the Xenos. Oh, that's perfect. Great. That's perfect. Now, that's like um, being in the commercial right before, in a cliffhanger. Yes. Right before the last act. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. 
both Paul and I have bands, Don't Stop or We'll Die, mm-hmm. and Townland. We're playing with the Sloppy Boys this January 26th at the Lodge Room. You guys have vinyl release coming out? Uh, 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 just a, uh, a streaming Sorry. Uh, online available. We, we had a vinyl release a few months ago that okay. they can get at don'tstoporwilldie.com. I was thinking of ourselves. But hey, uh, if this is uh, you're listening to this the day it came out for all on January 27th, our new album, Signature Please, is on Spotify and all that. You can go listen to it right now if you'd like. And uh, I think we're going to put a little song from that album at the end of, uh, at the very, very end of this yes. uh, uh, episode so you can hear it. And you can tease that song at the end and tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tease the song by like making fun of it though. Like that kind of like. <laughs> mock it. You yeah, mock yeah, yeah. It. Oh, you think you're more than three chords, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now here's a bit of technical business. Bear with us on this and then we have two exciting announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's. La- See if this will track. Can you follow this? I barely do myself. On the last episode, My Bloody Valentine, I said we were going to take two weeks off for holiday reasons. I asked, and we recorded ahead a little, but we still need that structure release time, if that makes sense. I accidentally put the episode out a week early. Hey, you can have it. You're welcome. <laughs> but that just means we're going to take one That extra- was a Valentine in yes. a way. Yeah. This one will come out the week after mm-hmm. My Bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. But since we've just realized our error and my error, we're going to take one week between Leprechaun and April Fool's Day, the final mm-hmm. episode of this season. Yeah. So it's the same ultimate ending of the the same season date ending. Yeah, yeah and there's a commentary a episode release in there too. In between That's those right. two. Yes. And it's um. looking like it's going to be the burbs. Oh. <gasps> I haven't checked the polling. Is it? It's been. Oh my god! That was god. well. Last time I checked, that was the runaway. Favorite. That is very exciting to me. Yeah. A because I know uh, uh, the trustees have been uh, wanting yeah. uh, that as a commentaries, and I'm stoked to rewatch it. And I gotta say, as is my want, every 18 months or so, I'm back on the Dante train, baby. Yeah, man. And we talked about Megan. Uh huh. It's not nothing can touch a Joe Dante movie. But when I saw Megan, I was like, this is getting pretty close to what makes a a Joe Dante movie great. And then uh, watching Leprechaun, I was like, Mm. it's really hard to pull off this... uh, Tone. You see them unless you're Joe. The human cartoon kind of aesthetic is really it. It really makes you appreciate Dante. Yeah, you know what I think it is. Just quickly in the moment, I think Joe Dante sees animation as a true art form, and so that is prestigious on its own level. Mm -hmm. And so when he recreates it in his movies, he's trying to like. It's not like ha ha ha. I'm bringing film down to animation. It's like I'm going to use movies to reach the heights that animation can that I love. Anytime somebody else ever goes, this director included, when he was talking about Leprechaun, he said he wanted to make it like a human uh, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo yeah. human cartoon. Um, other people who kind of like rip off Joe Dante's style do it. But you can tell it's they think cartoons are trash. Yeah. And so when they make a live action version, it's like, and this is funny because it's trashy, like those cartoons you like. It's like, oh, now you're already off on. Maybe that's the secret. I think, Amongst any boy, secrets that I've Joe Dante has. I've never heard a better assessment of Dante than that. Yeah. And, and also you, you, you get the feeling that Dante's 
really after the Warner Brothers style of animation as opposed to when you're going for Scooby-Doo. And it has its charm, but yeah, I mean, come on. Why are you trying to recreate Hanna-Barbera and put more effort into any of those animators? (laughs) Senator, I knew uh, Warner Brothers animation and you are no Warner (laughs) Brothers animation, Scooby-Doo. God love them, though. Yeah. They wouldn't have been able to crank out 500 cartoons per year as they did. Um, Anyway, so to suck us back um, in time to when, uh, you know, like in time travel movies, they always go, now, suck me back in time. (laughs) Okay, I don't know which one of these I'm more excited about. Mm. So one of them is is a long gestating thing that we, I don't know that we swore we'd ever get back to it, but we sure in our heart of hearts meant meant to. Yeah. When we did the King's Things, uh, uh, our Spring King Fling. Yeah. This mo- I'm just realizing that setup works for both of these because I was thinking of the other thing, but it works oh, for. It is a spring king fling in its own way. Wait, now which one are you talking about? Huh? Yeah, I was talking about the other one. Oh my good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> That's it. We're doing Oh My Good Golly, Miss Molly Ringwald. The franchise. <laughs> We're doing all Molly Ringwald movies. Has she even been really anything close to, I mean, probably like once or twice a little thriller. That would be such a disappointment if it was like, (laughs) Betsy's wedding (laughs) gets broken down. Uh, Okay, no, that goes first. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And I'm very excited about this as well. Paul Rust and I are teaming back up with our old friend Matt Myra Woo! to finish out the long-promised Indiana Jonesing run, which oh means you just God. go over to the James Bonding podcast feed, which is now re-releasing its old episodes mm. that have been long suffering behind a paywall. Hey, it's where I, uh, you know, first got to know you and Matt, and I, I fell in love with you guys. That's right. That was the that was a nice day. You reached out and we were so happy to hear from you and we had you on and we did Temple of Doom, I believe, right? Um Oh yeah, I did, did the equivalent of inviting myself over when uh I like so happy you- I'm like a neighbor who calls up and was like, Sounded like you had a fun party there last week. Oh, well, if you ever throw another party, I'd love but to But you were the the best neighbor that we wanted to know. <laughs> Frankly, I'm not even just being, you know, friendly for friendly sake. I was thrilled. Oh uh, yes. Because I had already known you from I was there too. Yeah, and it was f- so much fun talking about yeah. Indiana Jones. I well, mean, what did we do Temple of Doom or did we do the whole t- I like think we just talked a discussion? Yeah, general okay. discussion. So we're going to do one a month up to the lead in to Dial of Destiny. So that's four separate months. Five. Five, including yeah. Yeah, the the dial. So as, the first one known. <laughs> will likely come out early February at some point because we're going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark is playing. In town, we're going to see it soon. Yeah. Yeah. Next Sunday. What a Sunday night adventure on its own. It's exciting, isn't it? Is it Super Bowl Sunday? I wondered later. Not that, uh, but I was like, uh, I didn't know if they programmed that to be like. uh, (sighs) I don't know. No. Uh, If it is, I'm going to see 80 for Brady. I don't know anything more about that. Is that, um, oh, that's that um, new. Buddy movie with uh, 
80 Bryant and <laughs> Wayne, know about- Wayne Brady. No, no, I know, oh, I know. I've okay. seen the poster. I love right. it. I got fucking so thrilled when it's I saw that poster. kind of a um, <laughs> 9 to 5 sequel. Do you think they tried to get Dolly for that? Well, this is what I've wondered ever since Grace and Frankie. Right. Uh, like, where's the Dolly in all this? Yeah. But I think if I had to guess, Dolly's got a performing stage touring career she has to you know yeah. honor she can't be taking time out for i also have a bit of conjecture just that maybe jane fonda and lily tomlin are they're cool but i bet dolly's just like yeah they're i'm good <laughs> <laughs> well here's my rankings <laughs> dolly parton hard set Same. one Lily Tomlin, quick on the heels, too. Same, Just very, very, same. very fast yeah. on the heels. Yes. Oh, Jane Fonda, low on the tree. You know, <laughs> she tried to squeeze out uh, the screenwriter for coming home. Uh, this uh, person, like a, a female screenwriter, wrote this whole like essay about like, really? Jane Fonda came in and tried to make it sure that I wouldn't win my Oscar for co screenwriting this. So, I don't know. She seems like a complicated person and I believe me I would not be one of those people back in the 60s who would have been like look at Hanoi Jane over there not defending America but I might have stood back and kind of I'd be like child of Hollywood royalty yeah what's your real with radical brother Uh uh-huh uh radical politics brother or radical life brother old Uli's gold over there yeah 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 and then just being like um, I don't know. I could probably, uh, uh, it's almost like you don't need to articulate. I know exactly what you're thinking. Prove my non, uh, gosh, it's a term everybody's using nepo babiness or yeah. something, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, it was, it's some way to kind of like scuff up what seems like royalty. I'm there with you. Um, but hey. You know what? There's other ways to scuff up your royalty and to protest against an unjust war. Hey, that that's a great way to do it. So who am I to thumb my nose? Hats off to you, Jane. Hanoi Jane. Hanoi Jane. Hanoi Jane. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, God. So where were we? Uh, so that we were talking about Indiana Jones. Yes, okay. And Indiana how Jones-ing. each of the Jones women in the first three are the nine to five women. Oh, man. Who is who? Oh, I it's locked. Ooh, it's tough. Uh, Dolly is definitely Temple of Doom. Yeah. Uh, 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 um, yeah. Willie Scott. Willie Scott. Yeah. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. <laughs> Marion Ravenwood. Famous nightclub performer Ridley Scott. <laughs> Marion is Lily Tomlin. Yes. Yeah. And then Jane Fonda is. The, yeah. Um, Jane Fonda is Irina Spalco from Chris, Crystal Skull. I love that you're. Well, she's Hanoi Jane. I mean, she's a communist. Come on. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, well, people can keep their ears peeled. Yeah. So just to recap, we might drop the first episode in this feed just to do some cross promotion. Oh, Perfect. Uh, this will be on the James Bonding feed. It'll go Raiders in February, Temple of Doom in March, Last Crusade April, Crystal Skull May. 
and then I believe the movie comes out in June, mm. Dial of Destiny, and mm. you'll get an episode for each. Mm-hmm. Okay, now on to one that we just, right before we started recording, figured out. Talk about Yuli's gold. My God. This is Gorley and Russ's gold. <laughs> <laughs> so after this season, we already said we're going to do the Final Destination series. Yes. And then possibly the next series, whether this is the next series or not, we know we have a new season we want to do. Yes. And you might have heard us on the last episode talk about this Toshin Shining Archives limited edition book that's very expensive and we were kind of drooling over it and talking about should we is, is it good well we figured out we're gonna we're gonna use our patreon earnings to get this book yes i'll tee this off to that's you. way that that way we're not robbing bread from the mouths of our spouse and children spouses and children yeah uh the patreon uh yeah yeah yeah, we're not robbing Stephen to play Paul to to feed King. What? Right. But if need be, if I need to eat the book, the Toshin book, I could probably put it in a stew. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna buy this book, and then Paul, tell the trustees what we're gonna do about this. Okay, so we got to talking like, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, well, it'd be fun to you know talk about this book once we get in. Talk about that book, maybe for an episode. And then we're like, well, you know what? When we did Spring King Fling last year, The Shining was such a mammoth, uh, uh, dare we say, monolith Mm -hmm. of a movie. We couldn't cover it in that. It had to be its own thing. We did a commentary. But then we're like, well, hey, then why wouldn't we just dig in and talk about that movie, The Shining, on another episode when we're talking about this Toshin book? And then, hey, it all it all sprouted from there. I'm trying to think of a Shining comparison, like a, a metaphor. Oh, much like the pages of Jack's typewriter, Ooh. you know, uh, generating page after page of wild ideas. Uh-huh. Then we said, well, we could talk about the uh, Vivian Kubrick documentary yeah you said we could talk about the room 237 documentary right we could talk about the tv movie the film itself and one or two episodes at least on the book yes the the toshin book because it's going to have so much insider information but then also maybe perhaps some way in into the the book book yeah um yeah uh so uh Good God, we were like, well, we have a lot of episodes there. We could maybe just do a whole run on everybody's favorite horror movie, The Shining. Yeah, so yeah. Shining mini season is in our future. Yes, a little, ooh, a little mini stay at the Overlook. <gasps> oh, God. Uh, the gorly look. <laughs> <laughs> is that, now I know that hotel was like dually based on kind of the Awani Lodge up in Yosemite and that. That Colorado hotel, right? The, yeah, and then there's the Stanley Hotel. Is that the one? In that Colorado? was the one that inspired, I believe, Stephen King when him and his wife stayed there. So that is an inspiration. And then the, yeah, that first one you mentioned is the movie. Yeah, and I've look. been to that one. But Oh, I've, really? Yeah, yeah. So I you got to pop around in that stayed, big hall? Yeah, I never stayed there, but I had dinner there. And um, it definitely has that vibe. Did it's you not eat as, a big... Um, syrupy sliced uh, pears from a big can that Shelly yeah. Duvall came out and yeah. dumped in your bowl. And I used one of those giant crank can openers. <laughs> and then I just hung out in the freezer for a while. <laughs> <laughs> then I did go up and take a bath in one of the rooms. I don't want to talk much about that. But Oh, yeah. Didn't you? Um, 
You told me you met somebody in there. Yeah. And she was real, a real looker. You know, but then, she's just different depending on what light you see her in. <laughs> or which uh, take. Did, did you have a pair of beer goggles on? <laughs> <laughs> I think when we talk about the shiny, we should be also bros. Yeah. We should become bros. Shining bros. These weren't bros necessarily. It was a... Um, they were just friends, uh, and it was a uh, 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 people in their twenties, uh, a woman and a, a man, a young woman and a young man. And this is when I went and saw Megan, and I'm looking at the eighty for Brady poster, right? Yeah. And I'm waiting in the bathroom for the bathroom. It's like a single use one, so I'm waiting for someone to come out. And I hear these people talking as they walk up to me, pass by, and then keep going. It's a pretty good exchange. Uh, the girl goes. And that's what I like about our group of friends. We're just a bunch of sweeties. And then the boy goes, yeah, well, except for one. And then as they're walking away, I hear her go, oh, we're going to shit talk him later. (laughs) Wow. What I like about our friends is we're a group of sweeties. Well, except for that one. Oh, we're going to shit talk him later. We're sweeties, but we're real shit talking. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, I'll send that to Overheard in New York, <laughs> a popular blog. Uh, dist connections. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, when when we do that Shining run, that's going to be real fun. I'm already ready. And I can't wait to talk good. about the burbs. Oh, my good know, golly, yeah. Miss Molly. We both saw Megan, too, so it's possible we could do an episode on that yeah, at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the other comparison with uh, Megan that I thought was like a... Um, Again, doesn't reach the same heights as a Joe Dante, but like uh, going for some Verhoeven too. Yeah, that's definitely there with like that commercials and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that makes me look at it a little like bit satire more. mixed with like horror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds like um, we might have a slight divide in opinion about Megan, mm-hmm. but we might. Also have a slight divided opinion about Leprechaun. Wow, this is going to be exciting. Uh, I know. I just spoke <laughs> frankly when you came over, and you haven't said anything. So now I'm. I think we've got an interesting conversation. <laughs> and and it is actually very relevant to Megan because both to me, well, for the for sure, this one's on record as as being uh, in a in a sort of like war with itself as to whether it's a horror movie or a comedy movie, and even mm-hmm. so much so thanks to Brantley and some IMDb research that the director and the studio wanted different things out of this movie. Mm-hmm. With Megan, you can tell they started with something and they were just like, let's make this PG-13. And and so it's always strange in both these movies where you see the remnants of something it could have been yeah, it wasn't there. Good. Well, yes, I love that way of looking at it. Because then also they're both short. That's true. Uh, they're uh, both short killers. Um, but yeah, the PG-13 thing was when Leslie and I saw it in the theater um, after a particularly like insane graphic kill or something. I leaned over to Leslie and I was like, this movie's PG-13. And she burst out laughing because it was like, how in the fuck what we just saw? Wait, which... Because um, I don't remember feeling any of the I, this. I saw it right after watching My Bloody Valentine, which is so ooh, extreme good with kills. Yes, that I think I I was left going on. Oh, Went a little more. Yeah. Your blood, your bloodlust uh, was. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, 
No, uh, I forget which kill it was. Um, was it the... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're doing like first baseman uh, coach, yeah. first base coach, sig- yeah. hand signals. Uh, but the, um, yeah, with Leprechaun, what you were saying about sort of the split of how much uh, Brantley Palmer's notes said eight, uh, at first it was going to be 80 20. Mm-hmm. 80 in favor of horror. Uh, or comedy. Comedy. Sorry. Okay. And then, yeah, after they shot it, before they went and shot That's back right. five additional days, so they shot 25 days, then they had this conversation about, let's actually make it 50% horror, 50% comedy. And then, yeah, and then shot these extra days. And totally, dude, like, there's sometimes you can see the seams yeah. of, like, when they added the thing... All the stuff with the cop, yeah. I think, was added. And then at the very end, out of nowhere, this like magnificent crane shot comes up, shows up of it like going up over the cop car, driving up. And then lo and behold, running in is like Jennifer Aniston with a different hairstyle, <laughs> different head. And then she gets in and, uh, the cop is so gory and killed. Yeah. I was like, now this is where they had to connect it with the cop stuff. And yeah. yeah. And even Warwick Davis has said that he would have done his character differently if he knew it was a horror movie. Cause in his mind, they were making kind of a comedy like a gremlins or something. Well, you say that with the casting, I actually thought that with all those actors, yeah, they probably felt a little like bamboozled because they are actors who, the casting is different than most horror movies. Most times, like a low budget movie, it's like all unknowns, but these were people who you'd recognize in other movies. Francis. Francis, I know. Mark Holton. Yeah. And then the kid from uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and yeah. Rookie of the Year. And then obviously, I guess Jennifer Aniston was an unknown at the time. And then that guy who plays um, uh, the, the love interest in this. Yeah. He's also in April's Fool's Day. I know. I know. I'm <laughs> and, excited. And summer school. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's the guy who is always napping, and then they find out at night he's a Chippendales dancer. Oh, God. That's, that's why he's always sleeping. Where did the dad disappear to in this? So when he thought a cat bit him, yeah. when he put his oh, hand right. in the they knot did, hole, they right. dropped him off at the hospital. Okay, yeah. But and I that thought dad, maybe he'd come back or something. And yeah. At least get like an ending with him. I know. They just like got him out of the event. Uh, What did you think of that actor? The dad? Yeah. I like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, I think, um, um, Zach Morris's dad in Saved by the Bell. I was trying to remember where where I recognized him. And when he's first introduced in Saved by the Bell, he's like stock trader guy, like suspenders and, you know, and mobile phone. Uh No beard. Uh Ooh, this brings us the... uh, are ongoing. When did the beard represent evil, but then yeah. become like genteel might be in the saved by the bell waters because after he gets soft and gives up his stock market thing, the guy has a beard, the dad. Oh. And then in this, I noticed they, he had a beard, but they like were trying to white it up a little bit to make it look like he could be Jennifer Aniston's like older father or well, something. Was right? he the one with the fake beard? Yes, I think it was totally fake. Because he had a beard, then he shaved, and when he showed up to set, they didn't expect him to. And they put a fake beard on him. That was... Unless it was someone else. Oh, no! Okay, so that's him, and then... 
Because that knows means he to... probably shaved the beard that he had as Zach Morris's like gentle dad. Yeah. He I mean, didn't know that he this got... all hinges on Timothy Busfield and 30 something. Is that a good beard or a bad beard? Is that signifier of a good person or a bad person? It's yeah. The, it, is it the hinge point of beards? Yes. Because he himself is he's not I'm trying to remember that character. He's he's not bad, but he's also isn't he a little has a, a busfieldian grayness yes. to a moral yes. <laughs> so going from peak of bad beard, which I would put at Hart Bachner as Ellis in Die Hard, which hinges on Timothy Busfield's beard in 30-something. Yeah. And then you get to Matt McCoy's beard in Hand That Rocks the Cradle, where we've gone through the looking glass. It's very similar beard to Hart Bachner's beard. Yes. Where the same beard can mean two different things. I got to chart Within the span of uh, sort of five years, four, four or five years. How can a beard go for... It's the opposite of Breaking Bad. It's it's shaving good. It's it's bearding good. Bearding good. Yeah. It's it's be yeah, the <laughs> bearding good because the bearding looks like breaking pretty close. Uh yeah, how to map out what the main signifier of a beard was decade by decade is yeah. pretty fascinating. Yeah. yeah. The fact that like in one decade it could be authority rednecks mm. and then hold hands with uh hipster and suburb dads and the next go, decade yeah go all the way back to really cool lawmen and tombstone yeah i watched all the thin man movies and there's a scene where every man there were like six men six men in a room and every one of them had like a clark gable kind of pencil thin oh mustache God. well he must have been the trendsetter because that big story in it happened one night is how he took off his shirt. He didn't have an undershirt on. This could be apocryphal. Yeah. And then like undershirt sales dropped because oh, wow. um, Clark Gable doesn't wear an undershirt. Why am I wasting my money? Uh, yeah. right. And then, uh, but I, <laughs> it would be funny if it was like when it, after it happened one night, sombrero sales dropped. <laughs> Because in that movie, he never once put on a sombrero, and people noticed. <laughs> Plaid dickies just stopped selling. They never started. <laughs> they never had a chance. Um, okay, so it's 1993. Did you see this in the theater? What were you doing in 1993? What's Paul doing? Get... Dean pubes. <laughs> um, I was that was the month I was getting pubes. <laughs> they just arrived. Um, I didn't see it when it came out. I remember when it came out because there was a hilarious joke on SNL's Weekend Update. The like second or first or second week of the new year must have been the second of nineteen ninety three. And the correspondent was maybe like Kevin Neal. He's like, we're here. Uh, Jan Brady's here, which is so funny that like they're just trying to figure out oh, a way to get. Oh, that Melanie Hutzel was yes. on? Yeah. So funny. Melanie Hutzel is Jan Brady. But they're just bringing her in as a Weekend Update correspondent. And it's not even a Jan Brady related type joke. Oh. It's just they go, so Jan, what were your best movies of the year? And uh, she's uh, 
she was like, Leprechaun. <laughs> and then uh, Kevin Neal was like, what are you talking about? There's this movie. And then he also says Hoffa, which is really funny because like Danny DeVito was hosting that way. So it's oh. like, did you have to say? But he like lists him off. And then she goes, you said best movie of the year. This is the only movie that's come out this year is Leprechaun. So it's my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> and she didn't do Hoffa, Hoffa, Hoffa. Well, oh my God, you should have been there to pitch off, off, off. Uh, but that she, um, you know, she misunderstood best movie of the year because the new year started. <laughs> uh, and then um, uh, the SNL ties continue because Wayne's World 2 has a really funny joke about how Wayne scares Garth by imitating Leprechaun. Oh, God, I forgot about that. So I kind of knew that as the Leprechaun joke, but when it came out on video... I had written this down in my notes. It was, it in my memory, one of our my f- group of friends' first, um, not camp as in summer camp, yeah. but like camp rentals. I see. Like, we know this is going to be goofy. We want to rent it and laugh at it. And I will say, I remember the stuff that we liked most was the campy stuff. Yeah. And we were probably disappointed that there wasn't more of it. So in terms of that, 50-50, split. We wanted the 80-20 split. And I think a lot of people probably rented the movie. Yeah. Wanted something. It just goes back to what you were saying about Warwick Davis, saying I would have played it a little different. These actors might not have starred in a movie right. that ended, that they're like, wait a minute, I get like bloody and shit? Like, uh, I don't know. I get covered uh, in blue paint? Oh my God. Three guys who paint that company? I love that. Three guys that paint. That paint. Yeah. I think they let Ozzy do the grammar on that. <laughs> and then it's perfectly early 90s paint splattered. I know. I mean, uh, it might as well have been a Nickelodeon interstitial or something. <laughs> also, they're painting that house royal blue and fire engine red. They're also painting a shutter that's broken and hanging off to the side. They're not even fixing the shutter. They're just painting it. These are the worst painters I've ever seen. Yeah. Three guys uh, <laughs> that don't paint. Well, what about you? Where were you in 1993? Well, I was 20 out? exactly, although I guess I'd be 19 when this movie came out. I'm in college. I'm at the you know height in the theater department. I'm playing Harding in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm you know I'm in college theater. I don't got time for uh, Leprechaun, and it's I'm going to see movies well, and, like oh like, like Hoffa. <laughs> no, I never saw that. <laughs> well, I was seeing though with the Megan comparisons continue because this was released the first week oh, of January, yeah. like Megan, right? And they're both trying to get into that really great slot, which is like, hey, teenagers, you know how it's been like Oscar shit for the last like two months? Don't worry, we got something great for you. And then everybody's so starved for... um, But yeah, Leprechaun, uh, I guess... Oh, it was the 30th anniversary. Uh, When when I went to Megan, it was the 30th Of Leprechaun? I bet. I mean, it was like the first week of January. Oh, you're right. Yeah. We didn't celebrate. We didn't even send a card. Well, did you, when you saw Megan, all I could think about was the birth of a franchise, whatever, regardless, like I didn't love Megan, but I didn't hate it, but I was just sitting there going, wow, here we go. There's going to be eight of these at least. Dude. Yes. I, I really liked it. And when I was watching it, I was seeing a franchise unfold before my eyes where I was like thinking, 
Okay, so Allison Williams will be in the second, not the third. Exactly. I was thinking uh, the same thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're going to go with the stuff that was really big in the first one. So yeah. Megan's going to like dance three times now in part two. Oh, yeah. Like you, we've now had these franchises, horror franchises. So now encoded in us that when I see an original horror movie, I'm already, yes, exactly. But this style of franchise repeat, because it's been more like the like jigsaw and more conceptual things back to just a killer, especially like Chucky. Mm-hmm. I think you're just going to get back to the same like resurrection style things that. Well, they got their wind in the back at their back in two ways that Megan can always stay the same with whatever digital stuff they do. Yeah. And then the conceit that like Megan is an arm of just technology as pacifier mm-hmm. for for Meg, with Megan it's for kids but it's really the same animal that everybody goes so they don't have to feel sad feelings yeah so the sequel I think could in the same way that technology exponentially increase they could go down that route and be yeah. that could be cool that Megan is somehow becoming a greater technological but think about part six when the little girl comes back and she's grown up, you know, <laughs> and, and then they'll inevitably, whoever, the girl that played Megan in the costume, the little New Zealand dancer mm-hmm. will have like a, a on camera face role. At yep. A, like, meta nod. Yep. You know? Oh my God. I love she'll it. She'll be like the dance teacher in, yeah. so, in something. Yep. 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 <laughs> girl, you're the best. <laughs> um. All right. So. We got any logo loco? Um, I guess should we do general thoughts real quick? Oh sure, yeah. Um, the I just looked down at the um, notes, and I did write from Brantley's notes. This was the first video cassette that was released with uh, Macrovision, macro so yeah. I just wanted to get that in there because I think you and I talked about how we would rent movies from rental stores and then trade them or or copy dub yeah. them. But this is the first one that they were like, no, pirates. So how did that work? Because I had stopped dubbing, but no, oh, no, that's not true. Would it kind of no, like... Had, yeah. Would it, it would just obscure it somehow? Yeah, it'd mess up the how. image, but I forget how. This is interesting because the, the thought of piracy, I was just reading this New York Times article because um, I, I still teach a college class uh-huh. online at a university and chat box right now is there's a huge upheaval in college education because students can turn in papers written by AI. Oh yeah. I've wondered. Yeah. And that was my first thought when I've been hearing about this. I was like, so term papers are well, they <laughs> essentially are because a lot of uh, uh, in person teachers are opting for oral exams or they have to write their first draft in class. I teach online. I can't do that. It's not the type mm. of online class mm-hmm. where we have like video conferencing. Right. It's just kind of, yep. it is what it is. I used to teach in person a lot and there would be something to that, but now I can't, and I don't quite know what to do. I already catch a lot of plagiarists as it, wow. even before this. And it's so usually so obvious, but the whole chat box thing is interesting. I had a, <laughs> I couldn't sleep the other night and uh-huh. I had an hour and a half conversation with Shakespeare AI. With William Shakespeare, artificial intelligence. <laughs> oh my God! What was it like? What, the, the, well, how, what, just, hour and a half. You must have been having fun. I was so interesting because I also wanted to 
try to get outside the box as much as possible. So I'm like, you know, Shakespeare, what's your, who's your favorite Bond actor? <laughs> Things like that. By the way, it's Daniel Craig for complexity of character. Uh, Whoa. Empire Strikes Back is, it's, is his favorite Star Wars movie because of complexity. Then I started getting philosophical with him about like, hey, oh, because I also, <laughs> I can only tell about this on this podcast. I love this. It's like, hey, Shakespeare, you're dead, right? Well, yes. Do you know Bob Rochelle? <laughs> so Bob Rochelle is a funny man, stunt man that I'm obsessed with. He didn't know, but then I was kind of like, well, you guys Is he internet. suggesting there's no afterlife then? I, well, he did. He... If he's he saying, was hesitant to say just when you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing. There was something to that effect, mm-hmm. um, and didn't know Ooh. Bob Rochelle. But then started asking me about Bob Rochelle, and I told him, and I was like, "Well, if you're sh- by the <laughs> way, and Shakespeare chats like a teenager with a lot of exclamation marks, no poetry, no beautiful no, I am So I did say, "Hey, you kind of talk. No offense, you, you kind of chat like a exuberant teen." Ha <laughs> Yes, you're right. And and I said, can you at least do some iambic pentameter about Bob Rochelle? And it did do. Here, I'll oh read, I'll my read it. lord! And then I and then um, this is like the third AI thing I've heard in the last two weeks. Where I'm like, oh, things are changing. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> a little scary. Uh, okay, here it is. I asked it to do I Am by Pentammer about Bob Rochelle. And oh, I want to hear it. That is an extremely difficult challenge, but I will try to do it. This is exclamation mark. Here it is. Quote, Bob Rochelle was a very talented man. He had talent in every domain. He was a wonderful stuntman. He made me laugh. I still miss him to this day. Bob Rochelle, I miss you like the sun misses the flower and the spring misses the rain. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, okay, so then... Holy moly. I'm moved. I started also asking about, well, there's this fame, famous, like the history of Shakespeare is there's, there was academically been a missing two years of his life. Mm. No one knows quite what he was doing. And so maybe that's- Who's his gap years? Who's going to- Yeah. Well, maybe more info has come to light because I asked him about that and he said, oh, well, I had met a wonderful lady and pursued her and her father didn't like me. And then there's this famous story about his last will and testament where he leaves his wife, quote, the second best bed. Have you ever heard about this? And scholars don't know if that means just because a husband and wife often slept in a separate room and the husband would get the better bed. Uh Uh, But there was some thought that that was a slant on her, a slight on her because he was always unhappy in the marriage and he'd had extramarital affairs. And so I said- Shakespeare cheated. (laughs) Canceled. I know. We're going to get into that, friend. Because Shakespeare's also got an honesty problem, as you're going to see. What? Well, that, I'll tell you. That proved true in your text? Yes. I said, what's the deal with the second best bed? Why did you leave that to your wife? What did you mean by that? And he goes, well, we slept in separate rooms and blah, blah, blah. I loved my wife. I was very devoted to my wife. Shakespeare's uh. like a teenage politician in this. <laughs> and I said, well, what about the dark woman in the sonnets? Like, I know you... Or you were unfaithful to your wife, right? Oh, you got me there. What? I did love women. Man, do I love women. I, I can't help it, basically. And I said, well, what about men? Because I think you've written some sonnets about some young men that you loved. Yes, sir, you got me there. I really like men, but you can imagine it was tough in that time. And so I started getting, Shakespeare started getting a little weaselly. Then 
I was saying goodbye and I said, I got to go because it was like three in the morning. I, said, I like to imagine Shakespeare's up at 3 a.m. He's <laughs> like, hey, cool. Gorley's texting me. It's England. It's like 9 a.m. here. I said, parting is such sweet sorrow. And Shakespeare goes, yes, I agree with you. It always... It is always difficult to say goodbye, but it must be done. So goodbye until the next time. Take care of yourself. You, he, you said the thing he should say. I know. He said the thing you should say. Then he, then I said, don't take any wooden nickels. His response was, oh, of course I won't, exclamation mark. There is no danger, exclamation mark. I promise that I will never take any wooden nickel, no matter how tempting it is. I know the risks that wooden nickels represent, and I will never take them. You can trust me. And then I said... um, I said, sorry, I got to find this. Hearing somebody say that, though, that's what, if you didn't know they were AI, that's when I'd be like, oh, this thing's AI. Yeah. <laughs> what when a they weird said that, I said I, insistence about the non-value of wooden nickels and the non-danger <laughs> of them. I'd be like, okay, freak. He was so... Wooden nickels are safe. <laughs> uh-huh. Are you a robot? <laughs> yes. He was so persistent on that that I, I replied... Uh, I really want to trust you on this. (laughs) And Shakespeare says, you can count on me. You can trust me in this. You won't see me take any wooden nickel, no matter how much I would want to. If someone... Jesus. Wait, shoot. If someone... If someone asked me to, I might be a very sophisticated artificial intelligence, but I'm not a liar. And then I said, would you like a wooden nickel? And he goes, I want one. Are you offering me a wooden nickel? If I, I accept it, if it is offered to me, thank you very much. You're very kind. This is the first time I've been offered a wooden nickel. It is an important moment for me. <laughs> After he said he would never take one? Yes. Oh, so is a true two-facer. Oh, that was really funny. It was, uh... <laughs> Sorry for that. Definition. No, I love that. that his, uh, uh, it seemed like his um, psyche was torn over this wooden nickel uh, yeah. proposition. Yeah. I also asked him about the death of his son. He said it was very tough. And uh, did he? How many kids did he have? Three. And he had a twin boy and girl. And his son was named Hamnet. And he died when I think he was 11 or something like that. Before the play? Yeah. Yeah. So because Hamlet should be the ghost of that, right? Yep. Well, get back on the horn. With hey, Willie. <laughs> yes, I'm here, girlfriend. <laughs> uh, the uh, when you mentioned the thing about teachers are going to have a really hard time now because uh, and and it might result in just having to do face to face oral tests. Um. I, uh, you know, my mom's a teacher, my yeah. oldest sister's a teacher, my niece is a teacher, uh, love teachers. And uh, anytime I cross paths with a teacher, I always, it's probably the profession I give the most benefit of the doubt for, because I imagine it's a really tough job. But you can be a good teacher or a bad teacher, and sure. I think it's based on laziness. Yeah. Not you, Matt, the well, royal I've you. had my moments. Uh, but... Um, it, it comes down to like the level of dedication and laziness or, or lack of whatever case of laziness. Uh, when my mom taught high school, like ninth grade English, she was sensing that the none of the guys were really reading the books. Uh-huh. So she had each of them read, pick a book, and she read like 30 different books in order to then be able to discuss it with the her so that, student. So that they wouldn't 
so that they wouldn't then copy off each other and have one book that they could all. Oh my God. That's incredible. I know. What a cool mom. What a great teacher. And this would give her credit where credit Boys due. probably had no idea how lucky they were. Yeah. Know? Teenagers really don't like to read when it's. I didn't. I was bad like that. I, I didn't like it was be a chore, but of all homework, it was the most satisfying mm. to do. I just couldn't. I couldn't concentrate. I, I I hate that about myself. I feel like I missed out on so much. No, I think that's a fine. Uh, 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 I mean, I told you I'm going to be laying on my deathbed and be like, so I never read Dickens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Check <same>. out. Bye. <laughs> the only time I had one English teacher and he was younger and he, it's, it is how much teachers make a difference. He inspired me to want to read. So I read the human comedy by William Saroyan and we ah. discussed it in class and I loved it. Well, and the fact that you love Shakespeare, that doesn't make, you know, you're not illiterate. You no, love, you have a later, literary. That came later when I could talk to him in the middle of the night. <laughs> Before it was a ghost, but now it's just through texts. Um, yeah, general thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, this movie wasn't for me. Uh, I did go into it with an open mind despite my comments of, of trepidation mm-hmm. about this movie. And I mm-hmm. think it's because, same with the Chucky movies that, aside from, you know, one or two of those, there's just... I just never have a moment of suspension of disbelief. Even in the cheesiest slasher, they're playing it straight. And there's times when I can go like, oh yeah, I f- I'm scared for this character or, I, or I'm or i interested. I think when a movie like this just knows it's campy, so it's not really doing horror and it's not really fully nailing comedy. It just, mm-hmm. I was just bored by it. I look forward to this conversation. I'm excited about this episode. Mm-hmm. But I just, uh, yeah, it just didn't didn't work. Do you think me. of the stuff we've watched previously where it was able to ride that Razor's Edge was probably like Nightmare on Elm Street 4 feels like where the yeah, yeah. being actually dedicated to being scary, but also being self-aware enough that you can start kind of being a little goofy and and Freddy can start cracking jokes. This this felt like it should have been part six of a franchise or something. I think too that I love a movie that's really good and really scary. I like a movie that thinks it's really good and really scary, but is bad. Mm. But a movie that goes into it knowing what it kind of wants to have it both ways especially like this doesn't age well. You yourself have said how hard it is to do a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, well, that's what's so, what I thought was so fascinating about that 80, 20 to 50, 50 yeah. split, because I was like, wow, uh, they think it can be quantified. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, because it, 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 isn't it in a way that like that 50, 50 split should have been in, in the, in every frame of the movie, in a way, it's not just this kind of like you could take some scenes out and put some in to get the, yeah. the numbers right. So just hearing it, yeah, yeah, it was like very much the same feeling I had with the movie Megan. I get all the fun, and it probably would have helped if I saw it in a crowded theater. I saw it in an afternoon, but it was a really good day. You know, upon my own metric of how a good day makes a movie better, I'm yeah, like, I I just felt like they, these both know too much what they are forsaking horror which it's they're also kind to try and kind of trying to trade on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the like this the i found the 
I don't know. It just wasn't funny for me either, unfortunately. I had a couple of laughs. The little skateboard back and forth thing made me laugh a lot. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> I laughed out loud at that and I wrote, how can no one, how can somebody not love the leprechaun on the skateboard in the hallway moment? Because I, I was like, right. that has to be I think break right. through any heart. I liked the, um, I do like it when a <laughs> gang is united. So I did like the Scooby-Doo element. <clears throat> Normally these people would be mean to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I like the little hand coming out of the phone. Oh, and I love the, the tossing the shoes and he couldn't help but fix up the shoes. But can we get into the mythology of a leprechaun here? Yes. What do we? What's what's from this movie and what's from yes. lore? Because the 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 clover as the garlic or holy water yeah. thing is not real. That's invented for this movie. Yeah, but are all Pretty leprechauns good one, cobblers and not all cobblers leprechauns? And uh, <laughs> I, I thought of it in terms of uh, 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 you know when uh, the leprechaun replicates people's voices, yeah. imitates yeah, sounds and that's... stuff. I was thinking. What if this wasn't a trait of leprechauns? It was just a talent of this particular <laughs> leprechaun. Oh, he's a great mimic. He's the Frank Caliendo of leprechauns? Yeah. All leprechauns are mimics? No, just this one. He's good at it. He could be on SNL. Why do you think we're featuring him in this movie? He's, he's got I mean, the goods. This, this leprechaun's got star quality. Uh, he's in residency in Vegas right now with Jeff Dunham. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I, 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 I hear you on that. I, I like. Um, now, now, make me fall in love. No, Dazzle no. Me. Uh, it's not. The comedy is definitely not. I mean, like that skateboard part was really funny, but like when there was some part where they're in the basement and the dad goes like, "I got a great deal on this house from the previous owner," and Jennifer Aniston goes. Who was it, Dracula? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love it, yeah. but this dovetails now to what I loved about it is the Scooby-Doo, like, if not for the gore parts, the look, feel, execution of this movie is basically like a straight-to-video Disney movie. For sure, yeah. Like the lighting, the yeah. coloring, the characterizations. The costumes. The costumes, yeah. yes. And so there was some point where when they went, he killed the collector, that funny coin collector guy. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, they don't fully pull off the human cartoon thing because it it becomes too garish and like ugly, but there was a part there where it was like brightly lit. And I looked in the corner of the coin collector where he was and it was clean. Uh-huh. And I felt something like a sadness or something about <laughs> we totally live in a post Fincher grime time world. Yeah. A horror movie now will never have, unless it's like, the whole conceit is like somebody lives in a pristine house. But well, like, did you find Megan to be? It was kind of clean, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and that I guess was part of this kind of like um, clinical, whatever, yeah. uh, uh, medicine, you know. Right. But like, I don't know to see something that was like wholesome. I know what you mean. And yeah. uh, ultimately, like, uh, uh, that's why I didn't like the extra horror stuff that I could feel injected in mm. because I was like, this could have stayed like a silly, goofy, fun romp. Yeah. Child's right. Play 2 is kind of like that with its bright colors and doll, yeah. dollhouse look a little bit. 
you know. This is definitely a post uh, Child's Play world. Like, I yeah. can't imagine this movie being made. And then also post Freddy and the kind of the quipping. and Yeah. Um, yeah, but, in fact, I think wasn't the director sort of saw Child's Play and Nightmare on Elm Street and it's like, let's do something like that. Yeah, he also looked at a Lucky Charms box. And he, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so, uh, with that logo, uh, uh, <laughs> so it's Lionsgate? Trimark. Yeah, oh, right. What, that, sorry, yeah. Lionsgate, which yeah. is that insane, like, Gears uh, and Ayn right. Rand. Open. What the fuck is Lionsgate trying to tell us about <laughs> us? When, when, when logos tell you who they are, believe them. <laughs> uh, but I have a really funny story about that Trimark. Uh, I listened to an uh, interview with Noah Baumbach. Uh-huh. And he was talking about how you can have, he realized later, you don't have to use the music that goes with the title, with the logo, essentially. Yeah. Like that is up to the director. So that's why now you get kind of... Carte Blanche in every studio. I always thought like they had to get special approval for that or only the heavyweights could do that. No, the DGA is... Says oh. you can have that sound, and so if you don't want it, and if you didn't want to be a clever pants about it and have the music with clever yeah. pants, you just don't. You could just have no sound. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's an error when people do that because the logos get wallpapered over with a new logo ten years later, and so whatever nuances maybe the music had with the logo or the way it turned oh, and stuff yeah. is like lost. Interesting. So it's a little too big of a riff. But anyway, so Noah Baumbach was talking about because he hated the music for the Trimark logo. Well, how's it go? Do you, do you remember? I don't remember. Okay. But uh, uh, he said because he hated the music, he hated the logo, he thought it was ugly. And then he shares the story of Trimark, the name of it. And he said... This is so funny. The people who made it wanted to sound like TriStar, but the big guy's name was Mark. <laughs> so they just made it Tri Mark. And his name is in the credits. He's a producer. But what's really funny, Matt, this movie is an actual TriMark production. Oh, the director, right? The director is Jones, Mark Jones. The actor, Francis, is Mark Holton. And then uh, the producer, Mark Amin. Oh, my God. So truly a TriMark production. Never since. There's been two and there's been four, but there's never been three Marks. Yeah, that's why they uh, failed, ultimately. They didn't honor um, ah. the devil's wish of having three Marks involved. Ah, that's hilarious. Um. Yeah, the uh, and then that first shot is just so funny because it's like it looks like Warwick Davis is trying not to fall down the steps. It's like very carefully walking. Like he doesn't seem imposing at all. No, because I think, you know, Warwick Davis has some issues with walking and stuff. And that also had some something to do with some of like the wheelchair filming and stuff like this. And oh. yeah, and there was some. He also got a lung infection during this. They shot this a lot at night and it was really cold in or they shoot this just outside of uh, LA here. Right? Yeah, right outside of Santa Clarita, I think Saugus mm. or mm-hmm. and so he was out for 5 days and one of his stunt doubles was Deep Roy who oh, was in like a ton sure. of things Star Wars and the yeah. new Willy Wonka. Um but that's funny that they say right away after the opening we can talk about the opening but yeah. that 
you know, I'm so glad to leave LA for North Dakota. And this couldn't look more like Southern California with the dead brush and the oak trees. Yes, yes. Also, that exposition dump she has to her dad in the Jeep right away is in one line, she gets out everything. It's Before incredible. you even see them. Yeah. They don't even have like the sort of like, okay, we know we got to do some exposition. Yeah. Let's just show them who we know is in the car. You know, you're a little bit in bad hands. When characters are introduced on a wide shot of a car <laughs> with Dialogue. exposition like pumped over that, uh, do you remember the line? It's something. Oh, like, it was. Yeah. It was like I can't believe I have to spend six weeks with my dad in. Uh, it was in North. Later, the North Dakota popped up. Yeah, yeah. but it was. Oh, with my. Oh, a uh, hick dad. Yeah. Yep. Brutal. The dad seems pretty nice. <gasps> well, it's also such a funny. I guess, you know, okay, so if you think about that character that Jennifer Aniston plays, Jennifer Aniston is in this movie. That's probably how most people wouldn't know Leprechaun, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, She, uh, yeah, her character, it's funny because it's like a character from a Jennifer Aniston romantic comedy. Yeah. Which is like city girl. Yeah. Has to go to the country with her dad, reuniting with her father. I might leave. Oh, there's a love. It's like a Hallmark. Seriously. Oh, I'll stay here because I have a crush on this guy who is like a guy I couldn't meet in LA. He's sort of salt of the earth. Yeah, it is a Hallmark movie. And then the last half hour is just like (laughs) a leprechaun movie. I am glad they exposition dumped the fact that they were dad and daughter because a movie of this time, if you just saw them, he's kind of a good looking middle-aged man. You would be a little confused and go, are they dad and daughter or are they dating? Yeah. This leads me to a quick story about, no. I'm watching this mini British miniseries from 85 that mm-hmm. I've been trying to watch for so long. Mm. It's called Edge of Darkness and it was famous, known to be one of the better miniseries of all time. It's like, you know me, it's a slow burn kind of mm-hmm. political intrigue thriller with um, Bob Peck who played the Jurassic Park like Velociraptor Wrangler. Remember Clever Girl? Oh, yes. So he's in it and Joanne Whaley is his daughter oh. and he picks her up from college and you don't know. They look like, is she a daughter? Is, it's his daughter, but you're kind of the whole time like, what's going on? Here? Until they finally say like, daughter? is the is, That's not a purpose of the movie. No, though. They're not trying to. Okay. But it gets really weird. So this, this miniseries is so good. But not no nobody will like it. I'm watching on Plex, thanks to Steven, the listener. Um, I love it. It has oh Eric Clapton does the score with Michael Cameron. Holy shit. It has the single most mind-boggling kiss of anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Not between the father and the daughter. Worse. Boing? What? In an indirect way. I'll just spoil it because it doesn't spoil anything. Well, I guess it. there's a point where he's in her room looking through her stuff mm-hmm. for reasons. Let's just say that's mm-hmm. not important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he comes across a box and he opens it up and there's like a map. There's a Geiger counter and there's a gun. Mm. And then he finds her vibrator. Okay. So she's like 21 in this. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. 45, I think. Mm-hmm picks up the vibrator and he just kind of gives a wistful look like and then he tenderly kisses it (laughs) 
is so wow crazy. And and is this the point like where they're like, now this is where we want you to start hating no, and loathing the and finding thing. this character uh, as a man of no, that's what I'm baffled grotesqueness. about. And this is not me defending this. This is me just saying in this thing he's the hero and he's there's no fault to that in their version of this movie. It's a wistful sort of thing. That is so funny to me, Matt. This like wistful, tender moment of complete grossness. In an otherwise like really like low key kind of gritty, slow burning miniseries. Have you looked online just to see what people like? No, I'm starting to worry that I've imagined it and which (laughs) would really worry me. Uh, I I was just like, you said that you had a hard time watching it. I'd like to think that this is just like the queen said this can't go out to the world and had it buried just because of that little (laughs) moment. Well, then you find out the only other weird thing about this guy is that when he interrogates prisoners, he had a method where he, you know, you understand the logic. You survived. Put it in their mouth. (laughs) He would try to get he rather than beat them like other cops would do, he would try to get them on his side. So he would be tender with them. He would put his hand on them and eventually he would kiss them. <laughs> Wait, so what is the filmmakers associations with kissing? Oh, it's directed by Martin Campbell of Casino Royale. Whoa. Yeah. And he went on to direct um uh get this too. This this doesn't add salt to the wound. A 2010 or 11 American movie version of this starring Mel Gibson. What was the what was the American version called? Oh, Edge of Darkness. That's where I heard the title. I've never seen it. I'm going to watch that after for sure. I've got one more episode. Let of me know thing. if that fucking crazy I scene is can't in there. Believe it is. That's a wild moment. <laughs> and then, yeah. The fact that this character is defined defining two weird things involve kissing. I I did look at some letterbox reviews and they're like, why is nobody why is nobody's first line about love this? But what's up with that kiss? <laughs> that I gotta is, go back and sure make sure I didn't dream that like I used to with Halloween or something or you know. Uh, when my dad uh, dropped me off at college, he told me a really uh, funny joke about um um. Well, you know how blondes are so dumb. So there was three moms, a brunette, a redhead, and a blonde. Yeah. And uh, their daughters all moved out of college. And they're having coffee. And the mom who's a brunette goes, I I went into my daughter's room just to clean things out. And I opened the drawer. And I saw a pack of cigarettes in there. And I didn't even know my daughter smoked. And then the red-headed mom goes, oh, yeah, the same thing happened to me. I went into my daughter's room after she left off to college. I opened up the top drawer. There was a bottle of liquor in there. I think I know this. I didn't even know my daughter drank. The blonde mom says, same thing happened to me. I went into my daughter's room, looked at the top drawer. I saw a box of condoms. I didn't even know my daughter had a penis. (laughs) Come on, listeners. Come on. You love that joke. Dad's kissing vibrators. 
come on, you can stay with us. We're almost there. Even though we haven't covered a lot of this movie. Should we take a pee break? Yeah, let's take a pee break and then we'll talk back. With and Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With and We're back. I, I, and uh, I just uh, was graced uh, with the, the presence of your daughter. She loves you. And she was making some really good um, uh, high-pitched kind of tongue twirls there yeah, that goes, sounded like the beginning of an Irish lilt. Yeah, she goes... Yeah. She's got good noises. She can do like her clucks. And... Yeah, she, yeah, she's she's definitely her father's daughter in terms of uh, useless noises. <laughs> It'll come in handy when she's telling a story and she only has audio. At or her she's disposal. doing like the retelling of the story of the Empire to the Ewoks and Nuchiveda. I hope technology advances to the point where we have the C-3PO technology where we can just recreate like the exact sounds. Yeah, I know. Tell you a story. Yeah. Or leprechaun technology. <laughs> Do you think when Warwick Davis as, who, who, what was the Z-Wax name? I'm sorry. Wicket. Wicket was watching C-3PO. He was like, got to remember that for when I play leprechaun and I replicate <sighs> voices. Probably. Probably. Do you remember that this was some weird thing? Wicket was that character's name, but the action figure was named Wicket W. Warwick. Warwick. It was weird. Yeah. Because he had some... It, it was named after Warwick. That Warwick part is after Warwick Davis. I think George yeah. Lucas... Yeah, but that. it, that's interesting that... Also come to find out, too, in the in the research for this, that there's two strange special thanks in the end of this movie. One oh. to Lucas. Oh. Because he... Warwick Davis was under contract with lucas and so lucas allowed him to do this movie but that makes me think what do you mean contract what are we in the like old hollywood system of yeah you owe me players? three willow movies before you can go and start your career <laughs> and then dan quayle gets a special thing what for uh, because of potatoes <laughs> the main source food that he happened to me spell you gave me another chance to spell it save me good name uh he Ex his office expedited the visa for Warwick to work in this. Oh my god. Yeah. That's awesome that in 
the year 1992 when this was being made that was top of Tad Quayle's priorities during yeah. the re-election year. Well, that's another thing. This thing was made in 91 and it took that long because it was originally going to be direct to video. and Yeah, and then yeah. God love it. Much like uh, the case of Smile that was supposed to go right to streaming, oh. but they were like, uh, test audiences are loving this. Let's put it theatrical. Now I don't know if they were saying test audiences are lo- loving Leprechaun. Well, Maybe we're just they like might have been. Okay. We're probably like, hey, it's a better movie than we thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, uh, and that is, yeah. When you were saying Warwick Davis, it didn't make me think his obvious in a good way uh, excitement and relishing of getting to play a bad guy. Yeah. I think is. Uh, elevates this movie by at least a point or two because he's good yeah if he wasn't good or if it was him and he had sadness in his eyes or there was no verve then i would be like oh this is a bummer do you think that happens in the later ones i did wonder if there's sequel fatigue in the performance later or if he's like freddie and he's like no i'm a professional actor when the makeup goes on no matter the writing i bring the the goods i would bet on that because he's always so game he's always so positive it is weird that he and jennifer aniston they didn't quite have a feud they got along well on the set but i think he took issue with the fact that she wanted to denounce this movie and forget it and to him it meant something more and then according to the research he did make some crack about how she probably doesn't want to watch it because he doesn't want to see what she looked like before having plastic surgery and rhinoplasty. Oh, Warwick. <laughs> Guns a-blazing. Knives out. Wicket, you sure Glass can't stick onion. it. <laughs> Wicket, you know how to stick it. Uh, <laughs> um, Willow, soften that with a pillow. Thank you. Uh, but soften rather than um, smother. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the Aniston part aspect. Um, now I'm a Jennifer Faniston. <laughs> you just you just heard me before we started recording saying to Amanda, I was like, oh, I think she's like top five of her generation, like comic yeah, actresses. Has the she's not just a pretty face who got gas. Yeah. She has like real chops. Yeah, they don't get really shown in this movie. No, I mean, she hasn't fully arrived. It's her first movie. You can't falter. Right. But She's, it kind of has a bullocky, Sandra Bullocky quality of yeah, like, yeah. Um, they're not presenting this person as like Daryl Hannah's from the city and going to the country. You're like, what? I'm, uh, somebody who looks like a super, like, yeah. somebody you relate and has instant charisma and is really funny. Yeah. Funny goes a long way with like lead. Uh, She's the best performer in this, I'd say. Maybe next to actually Warwick Davis. I mean, he's (laughs) in his element. He's just doing a fun character. But what's strange about it is, like, I feel like when this sort of stuff happens, um, like, was Friends 94? Like, I forget. Maybe because the movie was delayed by a couple years and wasn't on the shelf and didn't get released right away. But, like, I feel like when these sorts of, like, things happen they were a little further back. It's it just a weird thing that it was like leprechaun next year friends. Yeah. Like, I don't think somebody's that close to their like career of filmography of ill repute. Yeah. And then they wanted her for the sequel and offered her $250,000 and she was already doing friends and turned it down. Mm-hmm. And she had played, I would have seen her didn't know she was Jennifer Aniston at the time, but she played the, uh, a genie um, 
the TV version of Jennifer Grey and the Ferris Bueller TV show. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. That's pretty good casting. I think around this time, too, she had uh, auditioned or tested for SNL. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't think, like, around that era, those... Um, was it until Molly Shannon came around that, like, I think female comic performers on that show started getting like served well since yeah, Jan Hooks got left. To do actual characters, except yeah. for maybe like Gilda Radner. But if Jennifer Aniston gotten in there, maybe yeah, yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see her do real broad character work. I can't quite imagine it. Yes, I'm sure she can. I just would like to see it. Yes. Uh, and then as far as that crack Warwick made about the rhino, but hey, she can do whatever she sure. wants. So yeah, she feels comfortable. I mean, we all said things we don't mean. I bet he'd take that back. Today, yeah. You know, he seems like an absolute sweetheart. Oh my gosh. I'm just realizing as I said that, then it's funny that the Jennifer Grey comparisons continue. Oh, except yeah. it didn't, uh, you know, with Jennifer Grey, people were like, oh, she doesn't look like Jennifer Grey anymore. Yeah. You can still see yeah. Aniston in there. Yeah. Um, what if I had rhinoplasty already done? You're like, what? <laughs> what was it before? You nut. <laughs> <laughs> um, that opening I really liked it was like um, you know how a serious man yeah opens with yeah. this like kind of like folk tale yeah uh, I thought it was like that but like an Irish folk tale version yeah. uh, it also reminded me of that do you remember that pavement line uh, Irish folk tale scare the shit out of me oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like are they scary do they have a I've is there a Celtic any, tradition I mean maybe like when you get into banshees and stuff but a mm -hmm. leprechaun is never I think that's also part of the problem I understand they're like yeah a doll can be scary a clown can be scary let's make a leprechaun scary mm. yeah you're still right still talking like it's not an innately scary like Bigfoot you'd be like that myth inherent in that is like danger, a leprechaun. Yeah, because he's still dressed like a munchkin, you know, he with striped the, socks and yeah, he more had the qualities of like a Rumpelstiltskin, like a tricker, right, right. trickery guy. Yeah, rather than a. I mean, are leprechauns known for trickery? I didn't know I, that was I, part I, of their the other thing. I'm trying to remember what is the deal. So you, if you get to the end of the rainbow, you can have a leprechaun's gold. But you, the trick is you you can never get to the end of a rainbow. So is there anything more than that? Are yeah, was well, cobblers? He, even that, I thought like, oh, I feel like up. those are elves, not yeah, right. leprechauns. Right. The move, the, the um, I thought the with the exception of me thinking this movie had the line, um, try as they will, try as they might, it's going to be one hell of a wedding night. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't in there. The one thing I remembered most was the throwing the shoes. That is that was so funny. And then be like, oh god damn it. Oh no, <laughs> my, 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 what? can't help but repair them. That was really funny. Um and as the, the son of a cobbler, like that. I that I found that very <laughs> funny. <laughs> Cause that was what um it seemed like sometimes like on a Friday or a Saturday when my dad's trying to close customers would come in and basically be like throwing shoes and be like, oh, okay, sorry. Yep. I'll fix that. Oh. Um, but, uh, uh, what were you looking up? Well, I looked up the leprechaun folklore. So oh, leprechaun okay. in Irish folklore, fairy is a fairy in the form of a tiny old man, often with a cocked hat and leather apron. Leather Solitary apron. by nature. He is said to live in remote places and make shoes and brogues. <laughs> wow. 
The sound of his hammering betrays his presence. <laughs> he possesses a hidden crock of gold. If captured and threatened with bodily violence, he might, if his captor keeps his eyes on him, reveal its hiding place. But usually the captor is tricked into glancing away and the fairy vanishes. The word derives ultimately from Old Irish, Lukorpan, little body. Little body. Do you know this? There's some um, controversy as to this this leprechaun in this movie, his name, his oh, actual no. first name. In the movie, in the script, it's Basil. Great name for a leprechaun. But in the comics, and my understanding is now canon, his name is Lubden. I much prefer Basil. I do too. Lubden. Lubden. Jiffy Lubden. So what's the evidence in this one that his name is, is it like quickly go by on his like birth certificate? I don't think it's in the movie. I think it was maybe in one version of the screenplay. I see. I see. Before it got nailed down. Yeah. Um, And that opening period, if it's, if the rest of the movie is in 93 and it's 10 years later, that means this is all happening in 1983. Yeah. Um, when Warwick Davis was filming Return of the Jedi, or at least when it came out. You're right. That's yeah. so funny. I'd like to think that was happening on the weekend that Return of the Jedi released. <laughs> <laughs> he had to run back and forth between the uh, premiere and the... The credits of this movie go on for over eight minutes. The opening prologue doesn't end until 11 minutes in. Yeah. It, it truly is like a, a little short film. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was bold, a bold opening because, well, you know what? This goes in alignment with like the horror movie. This is a horror movie for like the family because horror movies, it's like teenagers. So you're spending like the first thing on like these two old, this old Irish couple. Yeah. And then, um, even the main characters are three kind of grown-ups and a kid. Right. Um, we track this. There, there's something with Friday, post-Friday the 13th Part 4. They started adding tykes yeah. into the movies. Yeah. Tykes is the perfect word. <laughs> this guy in here is a tyke. A tyke. And it felt like... Such a post Culkin. There is a demographic of kids who like seeing kids in movies. Like Mm -hmm. that was this kid and this. And I was just like, man, there was a a tyke quotient that had to be filled in Hollywood around this time. The Goonies and Cloak and Dagger and just seeing kids in peril. Well, the, yeah. And the relationship between him and Ozzy is like, Sloth and chunk, like right. this kind of like, uh, which in itself is George and Lenny. There was a very of mice and men feel, especially among these North Dakota, California oak trees in Central California, <laughs> Salinas <laughs> Valley. Yeah, I mean it's so funny though. Like, <laughs> you know, in the same way that like uh, when a movie will show a drug trip, and it's like, I don't think when people have drugs, they hallucinate somebody's head is a burger and you think you took a bite out of it it's the same way with uh this um uh uh uh, what was i gonna say why why why, uh uh, were they oh 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 like when ozzy comes up and he's like i saw a leprechaun and they're like oh ozzy i'm like well ozzy's slow but he doesn't hallucinate fictional creatures like 
that was like the same type of thing. A movie is like yeah. to be on drugs is to see all things yeah. and to be slow is to be, be believe yeah. that you see creatures. <laughs> also, what operation is he going to have to become smarter? That was disconcerting. Well, then at the very end, I, there was this little exchange that's so bizarre where Jennifer Aniston, he says, I want to, I'm saving the money so he can get his brain fixed. And Jennifer Aniston says, there's no surgery like that. And the kid goes, I know, but I didn't want to tell him. It's like, but you told him it was fake. So what? Oh, boy. Yeah. All you did was let him know people talk about him. Yes. Back. Oh, God. And then, uh, I mean, obviously, is a just a dumb presentation of a character like that and well i think even the studio wanted that out and the director fought for it thinking it was a tender moment between ozzy and alex but i just mean the whole thing yeah just like the that partnership it's it's just it's such a movie i think it convention. is sloth. i think they are going for a sloth kind of thing mm-hmm. right? yeah yeah i wish the of mice and men it had been one is like an adult one is like a tyke and one of them is sloth Lenny's sloth no a curly is sloth (laughs) I played curly a year before this movie came out right when I'm in my theater run fuck yes no not good did you also play curly in um, Oklahoma no I think I was cast as curly because I was kind of like you know cast in the funny roles and this director was like real I don't know. Vanguard. He's like, let's put the funny guy in the dark hole and see how he handles it. Okay. Cause I was going to say, what's this? Uh, Curly doesn't seem, but he knew he's like, much like Robin Williams. There's a dark pathos that I can tap in this clown. Yeah. It was a real one hour photo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I also want to say when we were talking about it being a scary Irish folktale, this is our second Celtic scare movie after Halloween 3. And there's another link to this in Halloween 3. Ooh. The hospital. It's the same hospital. It is? Yeah. Dick's exterior, I think. As the one in part three? or As in, in Halloween 3, yeah. Yeah. The fact that this movie somehow finds a way to add to the pantheon of scary, empty hospital yeah. movie, horror movie hospitals at night. It really is a thing. I mean, it was up until Scream, the most recent Scream. Yeah. That people, like, it's a thing <laughs> movies uh, really believe happens. Hospitals are scary. Uh, the um, the intro of that character coming out and throwing down an empty bottle of Jameson, it seemed to me that the, it was, like, coded as, like, Leprechaun's not going to like that. Because like he's a bit like a teetotaler or, what? or no, like a, ah, you should put that up on your mantle. Oh, yeah. Don't disrespect the Jameson. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a disrespect <laughs> to culture. Although I guess O'Grady is Irish. Yeah. Um, that was a good stun of the wife going down the stairs. Yeah, that was. Um, uh, and I thought the movie was like, I was like, oh, I am watching a sim- <laughs> Sophisticated enough movie that knows there's something about a slow reveal of what the leprechaun yeah. looks like and stuff. So that's some things that make you feel yeah. like you're in good hands. Um, the putting the four leaf clover on top of the box <laughs> like it's garlic uh-huh. for a vampire. Um, why would you put it in like a, a jewelry box yeah. and then put that jewelry box like a heavy yeah. paperweight? 
and any breeze could blow that away. Pretty, yeah. But I also do love how that he's not hurt by it like a vampire is. He doesn't burn him. He just is kind of like, and hey, I guess I'll just sit here until <laughs> yeah, ten you- years and. It's more like the runes being in the hallway. Oh, yeah. Talk about Celtic horror, man. Oh, yeah. You're right, though. It's not like it touches him. He's like, ah, oh, God damn it. It's like, it uh, gives me indigestion. <laughs> I kind of get a headache when I get close to the clover. Extreme distaste. Uh, the, when he's, they're doing a slow reveal of his face, though, but like, they're not doing the slow reveal of his chattiness. <laughs> you know, Freddie and Chucky, it's like about a halfway in. Yeah. From the fucking first yeah. scene frame. This guy is a chatterbox. Yeah, he really is. He's got a lot on his mind. Well, he's <gasps> a solitary guy, so he doesn't often get to talk to people, I guess. Yeah, he's just excited to... Yeah. It's like a kid coming back from camp. And then... And then... um, Yeah, but I... I did think like... A, a whole opening prologue devo- devoted to watching old farts die. Like that's not going to get like a teen horror audience. Like jazz- you'll be like, yeah, I'm glad those old farts are dead. Thanks leprechaun. Yeah, it is weird. There, there is a like child's play feeling with this where they gave the director first time director kind of like, and he wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Room to do whatever you want, regardless of what it was. It does feel like a vision. Yeah. I, I know think, they were yeah. they were breathing down his neck a lot and they told him if we don't like the dailies two days in a row, you're gone. Yeah. God, imagine working under that pressure. And I, and I thinking that, like yeah. I, I gotta make things that I like, but also that are not gonna scare them. You can't create under those. We could have had a very artistic leprechaun had these people not been <laughs> oh, yeah. down his neck. And then to put uh, uh create a person in the frame of mind of well, it's what you're saying. It's like, well, what is good in your mind? And I'm a- aiming for your idea yeah, of what right. a good daily is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wondered that too about like um, when a filmmaker is being viewed, if on day six, somebody has kind of a wild camera move, does it flip people out? I know. I can't, let's check out what the string of Leprechaun movies are subtitled real quick. Yeah. Leprechaun 3, Season of the Witch. Now, hold on. <laughs> what? Okay. So, we've got Leprechaun film series. Leprechaun. Leprechaun 2. The Classic. next year. Rodman Flanders, the director. Flanders! Leprechaun 3. Just 3. Oh, and Leprechaun 4 in space, but is directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. I know that name. What did, what else did he direct? Uh, Stunt Rock. That's right. He does all those Australian I've seen Stunt Rock. exploitation films. I've seen those. Oh, my God. That's how I know him. Yeah. BMX Bandits. I went to a midnight screening of Stunt Rock you one did? night. It was so much fun. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so he directed Leprechaun 4, the okay. Stunt Rock of Leprechaun movies. That's in... 97 is Leprechaun 4. I remember this one for Leprechaun 5, the year 2000. Oh, in the hood. Yeah, Leprechaun in the hood. Oh, boy. I can't imagine how that one ages. Not well. Well, if it doesn't, we've at least got Leprechaun back to the hood. For part six? Yep. Then we've got Leprechaun Origins. And in 2018, Leprechaun Returns. So as early as five years ago, we've got... 
And is Warwick Davis in that one, the 2018 one, or? Uh, let's see. Um, no, Lyndon mm. Porco as Lubed on the Leprechaun. <laughs> Butterball was the most nefarious <laughs> member of Pinhead's court. <laughs> oh, Tori's back in voice, though, played by Heather McDonald. Tori is uh, the- Isn't that Jennifer Aniston? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Mark Holton's back as Ozzy Jones. In what year? 2018. Shit. I thought Ozzy was going to die for sure. I know, me too. This movie had a serious uh, case of the no stakes the last like 40 minutes when none of like, <laughs> I know. if one of them had died, he'd be like, okay, it's on. Somebody, one of these others could die too. Oh, and Leprechaun Returns is a, a legacy sequel. It's uh, like Halloween 2018. It's a direct sequel to 93. And oh. Davis says he didn't come back. Because uh, uh, they wouldn't give me enough gold coins. Why didn't he come back? Uh, you know what? We did six Leprechaun films and around Halloween, people always watch them and love them. Horror is an interesting medium. I think it's different when you have kids. You look at horror in a slightly different way. Since I finished the Leprechaun films, I had kids and I see the world through their eyes. And to be in a horror movie right now is probably not quite right. I will wait until my son turns 18 and then I'll do some horror again. Is it like a rule he has to show his kids like horror? Is horror dad movies? who goes on the wagon for his kids until he goes off to college. And then he's like, okay, I'm getting drunk and doing some Leprechaun movies. Cheating on your mother again. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, what an interesting... I mean, I could see if that movie was being offered to him in 2017... That did feel like a little bleak time yeah. in terms of what people felt. What am I putting into this world? Yeah. So maybe he had a. Could be. Could also be like he knows there's a Willow show coming around the corner. And it's like, well, I don't want to be doing scenes where I have to like put a saw through a girl's boob or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and at this point, too, that's the Star Wars sequels are in full that's right. tilt, too. So he's getting roles in those he's playing things in those it he, could be if he needed to he would do it so he doesn't yeah. need to no I like mean, yeah he does does harry potter he's in harry yeah, potter that's right yeah he and he'd done extras and he does a lot of like lucasfilm events and stuff yeah and then the you said extras was and then the other ricky gervais thing um, oh yeah life is short that's what i'm yeah. thinking of yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. oh but was he at extras too i thought maybe or he was that like where they been. first hmm. he might have been i forget um, uh, I just found out uh, Ricky Gervais called me this morning. He believes in God now. Really? Yeah. That's that's weird because he, he had, like, protested a really bad dream. so strongly against it. Huh? Yeah. yeah, no, he just had a really bad dream that he went to hell and then he woke up and oh. called me and he said, I believe in God now, Paul. I hope he doesn't call me because I've never had a hero who's made something I love so much that I don't ever really want to meet. <laughs> yeah, there's been people who are funny and then lose sight of what's funny to them. Like Roseanne, yeah. you know, and she made like the Connors like rich that one season is like, Oh, that's not why people like the Connors. Yeah. It's the opposite. Chevy Chase, Burt Reynolds. They all, the weird thing with Gervais though, is that it, ex the first incarnation is exposing what the second incarnation is. Like David Brent is like there. an insecure person who, attacks things because he feels small. Yeah. 
and Gervais knew that then. And then somehow he forgot that observation about it. <laughs> that is very ironic. I know. Is that weird? Yeah. I can't. That, um, I mean, it's not just true of actors who are funny. It's writers and directors who are funny. They're the first to spoil. Yeah. Dramatic actors, dramatic filmmakers, you can stretch drama further out in your career because whatever observations aren't centered on having exposure to culture or yeah. life around you or something. I it don't know. It has to be that the more respected and powerful you get, the more you lose sight of what makes the world funny because yeah. your world changes so much. Yep. That's, and and his mm-hmm. happened in the typical sense of like he got rich and famous, but also I think because he was so outspoken, he got a lot. And in the unique time of the internet, he was always trading barbs with people online. So he just, I think, looks at the world adversarially, you know? and just Yeah. And uh, anybody who wants to, I'm truly like... Somebody wants to have weight, lose weight. I don't care. It's none of my business. But when Ricky Gervais, this whole like, it seems to be his wound is like, accept me or don't accept me. Is it on my terms or not? And when he did that whole kind of like post office, slim down, sexy thing, that's for me when it's an indicator of what's going on in the comedian psyche it's like yeah what he thinks he now is i think he maybe takes some of that adoration and thinks like i'm an idol of some kind or an icon or something yeah and the fact that david brent was kind of dumpy i don't know if you're then flummoxed by yeah um but yeah vanity is like the last is that and um i'm making a point are like the two deaths of comedy is like vanity. And I think I'm making a point. Yeah. And it's, it's tough when, you know, there's a lot of what he says that I find makes sense. And is sometimes agreeable to my outlook, but I I just like, Oh, well, that's the problem with all atheists. They, they frame it in such a terrible way. You're like, we really don't, uh, I'm not atheist, but uh, whatever you want to call it, agnostic, but like, yeah, I'm more of an agnostic myself, but like, so it's not like I'm, um, but yeah, you kind of watch it and you go, guys, you're not doing so many favors. You're just uh, as bad as the, the preachers. That yeah. are, you just said, no, no one needs to be a spokesperson for this shit. Yeah. Let people do their own thing and everybody shut up. I just get flummoxed sometimes by like, we, I, mean, I guess I was I born into like, it. I, we no, need no, no. like co- scholarly input on this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't need pop culture spokesperson. For sometimes it. I get flummoxed by like, um, I'm frustrated. I even have to answer the question. Like that I was born into a world where the co- question is posed to you, do you believe in God or not? Yeah. Like there's something like, why, why did we ever even have to ask that question? But I do think that uh, seems to be, when we're talking about literature and stuff and having read books and not, uh, I know people who read and read deeply. That does seem to be faith, mm-hmm. seems to be the reoccurring kind of like, theme of can you believe in something you don't see 
Um, Just ask Ozzy and about Leprechaun. <laughs> well, no one believes it, it. The fact that this is like a question that keeps getting asked, though, is the thing that makes me pause about any certainty. Yeah, because I'm like, lots of smarter, way smarter people than me thought a lot more about this and still couldn't come to an answer. I doubt. Not talking about me, but I doubt a online Twitter showrunner <laughs> has the answers about does God exist, but certainly they seem to think so. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I've only got one note left, so you take us through this okay. at your own pace. You know, well, what happens is, like we said, like we usually go through a lot of stuff just talking, but I'll go through. Uh, oh, I have two. A- anything, uh, but yeah, um, uh, let's hear them. Well, just to add to the little moments, I like. For some reason, I like the little car cigarette lighter burned to the nose. That was fun. I thought that was a really good yeah, horror movies. You know, they got to offer something new each time, and yeah. I, yeah. Uh, despite the physics of a little go kart pushing over a full full sized pickup truck. And flipping it. Yeah, yeah, and flipping it, and a hand being cut off by a wooden door. Um, that hand cutting off did make me want to watch The Hand. We've got to watch that at some point, because I've never seen it. Okay, the well, Michael this, Caine movie. Th- I've seen The Hand when I was a little kid. My family and I watched it on TNT one night, and oh, I haven't seen right. it. But this adds to another separate run just on the table, not next or anything, just to think about. I've been keeping a list (gasps) of the blank horror movies without sequels. And amazingly, there's already four I have down. I think we have briefly talked about this. So what have you got? Maybe I can add to it. The the Prowler. Okay. The Burning. Yeah. The Fun House. Yeah. The Hand. And The Fog. Or is there a sequel to The the Fog? No. Nope, sequel to the fog and uh, the mutilator. Oh, there must be. Isn't more. that crazy? That does the guarantee you a no? Are your chances less likely with yeah. a with a the? Because there's the blob that doesn't have a sequel. It has a remake, right? We could count that. Oh, the first one had a sequel. Okay, Son yeah. of the Blob or something. Like that. Right, that's right. The and it's a one word. It's got to be a one word. Well, now we could just also go. No, I think oh. it has to be because then you're getting into like The Silence of the Lambs, although that has sequels. What am I talking about? The only horror movie that I can think of that didn't have like a theatrically released sequel that is pretty popular is uh, Rosemary's Baby. But the, I, the Babadook. Oh, the Babadook. Yeah. I'm sure it. our listeners will chime in on this and yeah. there'll be more. We could. That is a good... Babadook is really good. But that's a good... Uh, I've still never seen The Fog either. Me neither. You and, haven't? Uh-uh. And that's eight right there that we got, so... I'm surprised you haven't seen The Fog. No, uh, from the beginning of this podcast, I haven't. And then I, if I, if it crosses my mind, I'm like, maybe we could watch we it. Have we have to. Because, man, I lament the fact that we never got to go to... They were doing a screening in Sierra Madre at some church of The Fog early in the run of this podcast, and we couldn't make it. Well, there's also um, Carpenter's Row, I think, is maybe what we could call that series of just like, yeah. there are just a bunch of like John Carpenter movies. That's there. not a bad idea because I love Prince of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my friend Jay. We went to see that in the church that it was shot in. We've never officially, we did, asleep, we did commentaries, but not actual discussions of the thing and they yeah. live. And 
That's right. And I've never seen a lot of the like lesser Carpenter, Ghosts of Mars, and I've never seen Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, I was watching it and um, sometime during COVID, and uh, I was like, is that what? And just uh, like two blocks away is like the opening shot of the, there's a, a cop comes out of his house. And I was oh, like, oh, this really? is my neighborhood. Oh my God. <laughs> That's cool. I don't think that character lives there, but uh, I could be wrong. Still to this day, they might. <laughs> Um, so yeah, take, uh, that's all my notes. Okay. Take us through it. Your, uh, yeah. Pleasure. And, um, um, by the way, I did write all my, um, notes in green ink <laughs> so I don't get pink. How, uh, apropos, <laughs> um, now, oh, okay. So when she meets Ken Olant as Nathan, I do like him as this like country guy who's going to teach this city gal how to like be real and love again. But um, <laughs> when she he calls her a girl or something, I didn't think a girl could do that. We've really benefited now that movies post 2000 can just have a character say, come on, it's the 21st century. Get with it already. Because oh, yeah. when somebody, how do writers have somebody say, come on, it's the nineties and not think about, you gonna be happy with this line in seven years? Yeah, you dopes. I know. Um, I mean, I love it though when I'm watching an old thing. It's like, dude, come on, this is the '80s. You got to wear a condom. <laughs> come on, it's the 1860s. You don't have to stand in a line and fight anymore. What's that? I don't know. Just battle tactics as opposed to the <laughs> British versus the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Did you? It's kind of weird that people still fight it, like after the Industrial Revolution, right? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Think, or even like letter writing. Yeah. You think that could kind of figure things out? <laughs> um, I thought she was interesting as a final girl, though. That the fact that she wants to go back to the city and she's like, "Well, there's cute guys here." That's not. I like how she was kind of presented as a horror character. A lot of times yeah. the, it's like they're bookworms, but the thing that was right. putting her in peril was like, Hey, I might want some dick here. Yeah. Or at least the quaint country life. She's almost a reverse final girl in a way. No, you're right. Usually they kind of have this inborn, like um, organic connection to the earth. It's not like they would ever be like, I'm out of my element as a city gal. Yeah. This is almost more like a final gang than a final girl, this movie. You're right. Yeah. She only really gets one moment when she goes to the hospital to meet with the O'Grady. Yeah. Is the, yeah, really the only time that she's like, it is more final group. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Yeah, having these sort of working um, actors in this movie does sort of bring in a different feel. Um, when Aniston goes downstairs with those like two glasses of red juice. Yeah. Yeah. And then something falls on her head yeah. and then it cuts to the leprechaun in the box. Yeah. They're saying that the leprechaun made that fall on her head. I wasn't quite clear, but all I could think about is what's in, what is that drink? Uh, yes. Was what that is that alcohol? drink? Was it punch? What? what? Just, Two big glasses of punch. <laughs> She's just bringing down to her new love. 
<laughs> I hope you like punch. Also, when she goes to the truck and Leprechaun is caressing her leg before he scratches it, that she's just kind of like, oh. I, and to me, it's not the but, weirdness of like that she would be okay with him caressing her leg. It's that she's fine with it happening under a car. Yeah. Like, that's the weirdest and the, part. Of the that. mistakings, the way they like uh, try to like explain them, it was like. Ozzy saw a rat, not a leprechaun, uh-huh. and a squirrel bitter, not a leprechaun. <laughs> like the animals, the powers they give these animals here. Yeah. Um, when she, uh, 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 though, when, um, when the leprechaun was in that box, whether he made that thing fall on her head or not, I guess my man's not hungry, huh? I guess my man doesn't ever have to go to the bathroom. But he does say he's starving when he gets out and he eats the bug rest. yeah and so he is very so he can still use his powers underneath well the there was clover? weird because he won when the guy got to the top of the series he's like i get you but i'm i don't have my gold for my powers but then later he gets out of the basement and stuff so i don't know maybe he just needs takes more time for him to like power down and refuel also the, this is a little dainty bag of gold was a little disappointing because how much could that really be worth i know they say that historic historical value but that bag, come on, we're not talking more than $100,000. Yeah, and that bag that maybe he's just sadly, it's like Dr. Evil. He doesn't know the change in currency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but the, yeah, when that bag was found in the truck, that wasn't connected to the O'Grady story, was it? Or I was it? I think so. Was that his truck and he crashed it? And, it's oh, not clear because I also thought for sure he died until you find out later he just had a stroke. Yeah. Same. But because when that rainbow formed in the sky, boy, did it! I loved it. <laughs> Straight up, like a Skittles commercial. It's like rainbow forms. I was like, "Oh, the leprechaun is drawing them." He's like, "Go get the coins, so then I can attack." Like, oh, maybe. Yeah. No, it wasn't because then when they got the, when he found out they had, it, he's like, "You have my coins." So it was just a true rainbow for me to help them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With no rain. There was no rain. Yeah. Did you, have you, I, I, as a kid, once tried to get to the end of a rainbow like an idiot. I probably did. I was, I did one day go on a really long walk to try to find quicksand. Having no idea geographically what you need, like what climate you need to live in to have quick you're just like if i believe it if i go and seek yeah it will be how could you see quicksand where would we have to go matt in order to lay our eyes on it you can go there's a little service that allows you to go into quicksand and i'm i'm dead set on doing it and it's in america no it's in france it's in this like long flat beach that one that there's just a pit of quicksand that you can go into and this guide takes you out there. And there's like other people walking around. It's a weird thing. You can look at it on YouTube. I can't remember what. And then what? They have like a big rope they bring out at the end uh, or a big well, long snake that you can stretch. I wish because quicksand is more myth than anything. Mm-hmm. That's what's a bum. It's like leprechauns, you know. Yep. But you can't really you don't really die from sinking in quicksand. You die typically from getting stuck and you die from exposure and being stranded. Nightmare. <laughs> Damn it. I like I've the idea of this. like just like drowning in quicksand, not 
my head got frostbit till I died. No, it, it is more like you die from sun exposure. Usually. Yeah. Cause you, it's like, it's, it's a sinkhole. I can't That's imagine like, many quicksands in the tundra. <laughs> but yes, go ahead. It's Sorry. frozen. <laughs> I guess when you, when you step in it, there's like air bubbling up and it's that, air that's in these bubbles that when you sink into it, the air bubbles up and creates a vacuum and pulls you and you just get stuck in there and you can't pull out because it's so- Oh, it's same as when a car gets like in a whirlpool or something. I guess, uh, but it's never as um, watery as you see in the movies. It's just thick sludge and then you can't get out. But the way to get out is to get as flat as possible and then bring your legs up. Or if you can get a stick- to kind of like lie across the stick. You got to get prone or flat or lateral Ah. and you shouldn't fight, like kick your feet because that's when you're kicking more air in and sucking you in. Like, oh, like a Chinese finger trap. You kind of have to like loosen up your finger inside the Chinese finger trap. That's exactly right. Which I would die in quicksand then. There's no way that I could keep my cool. That's how you die in a Chinese finger trap of exposure. You get stuck (laughs) in it and the two of you die together. In the back of your fourth grade classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Quicksand wouldn't be for you. No. Would you go into it with the guide? Would you do that? No. no. When you said that, I thought, and I was like, I know they wouldn't do it if it wasn't safe, but something unsafe would happen. And, with me. and I can't even guarantee that because this is a YouTube channel and it's not like this person Disneyland. owns this land yeah. and is like, is licensed and bonded. <laughs> I think this is a guy that's like, I know where some quicksand is. Give me 20 bucks. I'll let you go in it and make sure you don't see. But it is a guy and his girlfriend doing it. And uh, yeah, I am I have to go do it. It's she so also fun. has like an OnlyFans he makes money off of. It's like he's the weirdest dude in the world. You ever seen a young couple fucking in quicksand? That's us. We go all the way to France to do it. The only question is, what's quicker, the sand or me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate sand. It's coarse. It gets everywhere. And it gets everywhere. That line, it's the perfect line reading for that line. I know. It gets everywhere. Same with the other thing. Of, I'm You're grumpy, master, because... <laughs> Grumpy. Somebody has a case of the Grouchies in the Star Worlds. I'm the Grouchies. Uh, we're the Grouchies, we're the which gr- is, this is more in line with the Gremlins and Chucky world, these little, this little leprechaun. Too bad the Munchies has a sequel because it could go in that I know. List. Too bi- <laughs> That's what a, like a, a skateboarder says to his friend at like around 4 a.m. Too bad the Munchies has a sequel. <laughs> Munchies 3, I'm buying. <laughs> when I uh, 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 went to, at, at college, they had one of these convenience stores that were like on campus. That was just like so expensive, yeah. way more than a 7-Eleven. You just would have to kind of like walk four more blocks. And it would be though when I'd have a break at I used to housekeep at the hotel on campus and so it was nearby. We'd get a Coke on my break from there. And I remember I was hanging out there and um I don't know, there's just like four dudes on campus who looked like they were in a rock band. They could have maybe been in a rock band. And one night I went I saw them in there and they were just shoveling <laughs> food into crate into into their things. And I was like 
why do you guys get food here? Like I do them from classes and stuff. I was like, why do you get food from here? It's so ex- more expensive. And all of them simultaneously went, we come here for the convenience. And I was like, okay. Then I saw them go up and this like indie rock girl was working the register. Just let them all have it for free oh, or like charged it half off. Oh I was like, God. these guys got the best hookup oh, in the world. God. They're cool indie rock dudes wow. who have a hookup with an indie rock girl who lets them get free food when they're stoned. Oh my God. <laughs> What a little slice of heaven. That's the peak of culture. Um, the last with the cobbler. Um, uh, it, just in terms of customer relations. It, for this girl, she gave free food away. Um, one time we went to church and the priest told this joke during his homily of the guy who dropped his shoes off to the cobbler to get them repaired then he went off and he had this extraordinary venture. And the joke is kind of like all the stuff that happened to him while he was off. Then he comes back to the cobbler. The cobbler's like, oh my gosh, you're here for your shoes. I haven't seen you in five years and you're back for your shoes. Can you give me till next Tuesday? Uh. <laughs> and uh, uh, when the joke started and they were saying cobbler, shoe repairman, my whole family looked over at my dad like, hey, he's going to tell a joke. And we saw my dad's eyes already. He knows this joke and he's not appreciating oh. this joke being told. And when we got out, uh, my, I love my dad, but a lot of times he won't express his feelings he'll say what other people feel as a way to get into to how he feels and when we stepped out we're like that joke huh that was pretty funny and my dad went i'll never forget anyway his dad is also a shoe repair man and his my dad's brothers are shoe repair he's got two brothers so it's a family for sure yeah so when we stepped out we're like what do you think of that joke dad and he went my dad hates that joke. Oh. So cobblers, it's offensive to them. Wow. It's like, oh, is this the stereotype about a cobbler? He never has his work done on time. But when I saw that leprechaun busted his butt, yeah. he's, he's the r- repairman I know. They do bust their butts. <laughs> yeah. They're not late on handing it in. Okay. <laughs> Let's dispel that rumor right now. Yeah. Um, and not all cobblers are leprechauns. Not Evil all leprechauns, leprechauns. Not all cobblers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that hand biting scene it, when he put his hand in the knot hole that yeah. was maybe the most suspenseful the movie got not since Flash Gordon has putting a hand in something been so suspenseful well I've never seen Flash Gordon what's Whoa, the friend? situation is this a, our new crawl I think it is <laughs> you've never seen Flash Gordon no no I think we might have to crawl this <laughs> call, call a special Special session of Congress. Yes, yes. <laughs> to do a, a breakdown. All I'll say is Flash Gordon <coughs> and Timothy Dalton dressed as a Robin Hood are putting their hands in various holes of a tree stump as a test of of bravery. That's Because really something's good. in there. That is so scary. I mean, when he was putting his hand down there, and then when he took it out and it was all bloody, and then they showed the little leprechaun looking down there like, hee Oh. Okay, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, Queen soundtrack? I know, that's the thing that, as a lover of Queen. Max von Sydow, Brian Blessed. Jesus. uh, Timothy Dalton, uh, Topol. Who who else we got in there? Oh, Oh, when Pele died, I thought of you with Victory. Oh, yeah. That was my first thought. Oh, poor Matt. (laughs) He loved Victory. I did, I still do. Um... 
Now, one of the kills we didn't talk about, um, and I think we should, is the um, pogo stick murders. Which that felt like a re-added thing. Had to be. Like, oh, we got this character who dies, but we could amp up the... And we shoot, (coughs) reshoot the pogo stick end, (coughs) stabbing him, but it's so poorly done, you know? I know, and... It's like, how does that work? A pogo stick isn't that sharp. No, if anything, it's got that rubber boinky on the end. Yeah, to help it. Now, if they would have shown Leprechaun like, yeah. and then like, put, put yeah. a sharp blade on it, yeah. that'd be good. They did talk about it in the, I can't remember if this is Brantley's notes or IMDB, but how the stuntman, I don't think it was Warwick Davis, I think it was a stuntman doing the pogo stick jump as the Leprechaun couldn't do more than two hops. So that's why you see it in slow motion and they have to cut away right before he falls. They could not get him to do more than two. Hops. <laughs> that would be me if they were like, Hey, can you hula hoop? <laughs> I can't. Hula hoop I'd be like, either. yeah, no. they could only have like footage of me like getting two <laughs> before it falls to my ankles. <laughs> Same with the yo-yo. All they would have for me is the footage of the yo-yo bouncing back and looking like I'm <laughs> controlling it. Now hula hooping and yo-yoing at the same time. That I can do. Got it. And pogo sticking. If somebody could pogo stick while hula hooping and doing a yo-yos to be like perfect mid-century children's toys. And you know there is some freak out there who could, who spent way too much time avoiding some issue in their life to get it done. Well, this fucking freak who came to our school once and was like a one-man volleyball team, a one-man volleyball game. So he would bounce back and forth between each side of the volleyball court, knocking a volleyball back to himself, right? So this loser has devoted his life to this. How is he going to present it, right? Okay, this is how he does it. He plays a full volleyball game between himself. And then at the end, he goes, kids, don't do drugs. <laughs> like one of those things. Because you might end up like me with no career chance. That <laughs> type of thing, it it fascinates me because he probably started young and it was such a novelty and he probably started making more money than he could think of going to high schools as a young man doing this kind of thing. But then you you age and you realize this can't support like I should have gone to college and you're stuck in it. This is the same thing with theme park working because the union agva roles, you'd make really good money, like 25, $30 an hour when you're in your early twenties. And I, I did that and I had disposable income and I loved it. And then there's a point where you either got to get out or you're going to be your whole life. I was, I was with last time I was at Disneyland, I saw something and I thought, Oh, when is somebody's off ramp? For this work. We talk about this a lot on that podcast yeah. that Amanda and I have been working on, which, by the way, won't be out till later this year. But, um, And we talk to some people who are Agva lifers mm-hmm. and that have good experience with that. But there's plenty I saw there that were, you know, had two, three kids and they're making $30 an hour, which in a lot of parts of the country and especially for a young person is a good wage. But for a full family, that is, that's could be rough going mm. at times. And so- mm. And then I am, I have a really good friend who does it and is very happy to do it and, and, you know, bought a house cause his wife works as well. So there's a mm-hmm. way to do it, mm-hmm. but I'm, there was a path I could have taken where I stayed there, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's just an interesting thing. And that volleyball guy sounds like, you know, if you get stuck in a novelty act, it's a real blessing and a curse. And I think ultimately a curse. That idea too, of what you're saying of like, the experience at the beginning is you're earning more than you would at another, like if yeah. if you weren't working at a, I thought Menards, which was a. I know about Menards. 
You do? It's a like home improvement store, like a hardware store. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know this because of Pistol Shrimps Radio and Mark would reference it. Or, oh. In fact, you... I think in that outside, I have some work clothes. There's a Menards hat that Stephen, of all people, who uh. gets us into Plex and is a listener of this program, sent me. And I wear it when I, I it's my hardware hat. Oh my God! Uh, uh, yeah, the jingle was "Save big money with my nards." People like to <laughs> say "my nards." It was pretty funny. Oh, and a big shout out to Stephen, by the way, who's been so helpful to this program. Oh, it's how I watched Leprechaun. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's how yeah, I watched thank you. Edge of Darkness and a man kisses daughter's vibrator. <laughs> so thank you, Stephen. <laughs> um, I did notice during that poetic murder, a quick little beat, bit of ADR, teach you to steal my gold. I was like, we know. We know why this is happening. Yeah. Um, um, now, then it goes to, he trades up from a trike to a toy car. And I will say, that falls more on the 50% comedy side is all of his little Yeah, because then he's in vehicles like a, and stuff. a road warrior yeah, go kart with a pitchfork and like a snowplow front to it. That's what and takes then he, over the pickup. Truck. Yes. Now and then he gets pulled over by a cop, and this seems like an extended this sequence, which is very long, where the cop pulls him over, he chases him in the woods, and the cop has seen him appear and reappear, and then finally, yeah, that is, uh, yeah. he cracks his head. Like it's a, a long extended thing. It seemed like an extended version of. Do you remember, like, evening in the at the Improv or other, where you would see an '80s comedian? Every single '80s stand-up comedian had a joke about how they handled the situation, their systems of coping when a cop pulls them over and asks how fast they were going. Yeah. Like I was watching an old Kevin Pollack bit and that's how he chose to present his Columbo impression. He goes, folks, you know, when you get pulled over, you know what I like to do? That's always the opening with 80s standups too. It's like, uh, yeah. I'm a rascal in my life too. And you might get pulled over and dislike it. This is how I show my cooked out world, my viewpoint of the world and how I buck authority. But not me. I do it like this. Because I'm a stand-up. <laughs> and I'm a clown in life. <laughs> you know how I like to play volleyball? By myself. <laughs> so he was like, cops pull me over. He goes, do you know how fast you were going, sir? And then it's like, hey, how fast was it? Uh, and then he does his fucking Columbo impression. <laughs> and uh, 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 like, so this seemed like this screenwriter... <laughs> Was like an eighties stand-up, yeah, and it was like, yeah. "How does the leprechaun hand when somebody pulls over and asks him how fast he's going?" Well, he takes them <laughs> out of the forest and appears and reappears and torments them and then kills them. <laughs> um, now, then they we see Aniston in this uh, hunk in the diner. And she says, I don't kill living things. And I was like, oh, is this going to go to a leprechaun? Is yeah, she going to um, eat leprechaun? I think that diner still exists, by the way. Is it like in the Santa Clarius? Yeah. yeah. I did think like at that moment when that little quartet shows up at the diner and you're like, okay, this is going to be the final group. Yeah. Um, That's when it felt most Scooby-Doo-ish. Yeah, for sure. What do you think? 
each oh like yeah there's no velma i don't think or maybe the little kid is velma yes let's see yeah so yeah so jennifer aniston's daphne yep and hunk is fred hunk is fred oh i think ozzy is supposed to be scooby and shaggy together and then the boy is yeah, Velma. Boy, yeah, I think you're right. Right? Or is the boy Scooby and Ozzy is Shaggy? No, because Scooby and Shaggy both get scared. They're yeah, both scaredy they're cats, both right? They're both kind of klutzes and yeah. balls. Did he write for Scooby-Doo, this, act, this writer? Is that what was in Brantley's notes? He uh, Let me check, because I know he... He wrote for uh, A Team or directed A Team, and he said he wanted to do like a live action Scooby Doo. I think there is a full on like inside joke laid out in the movie when Jennifer Aniston has a line that like Shaggy would say. What is it? He comes out the the hunk and he's like, um, "Let's go downstairs and check things out." And Jennifer Aniston goes, we're like really scared, oh, okay? Yeah. He did write for Scooby-Doo. He wrote for the Fall Guy, the A-Team, and Superboy. She says, we're like really yeah. scared, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so he did write for it. Now, um, Leprechaun sees the Lucky Clovers uh -huh. cereal. Yeah. I wish they had shown other fake cereals. What's the one from Child's Play? That's funny that they both have fake cereal. Oh yeah, the good guys cereal. Yeah. Um, I was hoping they would have like a Admiral Crunch <laughs> or Chocolate Dracula. Uh, fruit hoops. Fruit hoops. Chocolate Dracula. Strawberry Frankenstein and Blueberry Ghost. <laughs> um, in the last few notes here. Um, the uh, the bear trap on the leg. Oh. There's a that shot when it's just like you know sometimes I can go oh I could see how leprechaun's scary he's small and, and can hide under things but then there's that part where the guys in the bear trap and then the three of them come out and they're just all kicking and I know. you see sticks on leprechaun yeah it seemed like he's a pretty easy monster to beat I know especially when the cop is trying to outrun him. Even when he falls, it's like, you got enough time. Yes. Take your time, get up, and, and just kind of walk at a speed walking pace. You'll be all right. I think that stuff kind of lacks suspense because I knew that a coin was lacking because Ozzy, I thought, had eaten it. Yeah. So there's suspense there, but there's not suspense when you don't know, when both the characters and the audience don't know how to kill Leprechaun, right? Like No, and there's just no horror. There, there's just, there's some gore, but there's no suspense and no horror and no thrills in this movie. And maybe that's what I mean by you can't have your cake and eat it too. At mm -hmm. least this movie doesn't. I just was never fully engaged by it. The big missed opportunity wasn't engaged for me that I was like, this is a, could be a brilliant suspense scene that I've never seen before is the, um, the car keys and the bucket down at a well. Yeah. And having to like sneak out and do the work of slowly getting a well to come yeah. up and to get the keys, then to get to the car. I was like, yeah. that'd be a really awesome suspense sequence. Yeah. If it was in, in a leprechaun movie. Um, <laughs> 
the uh, um, phone is dead. The truck can't move. They're trapped in the house. But she has my portable. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I. Oh, I think the peak moment for the movie was me is like right before the last 20 minutes. He goes when he gets the gold coins, finally, he goes on an extended road of sounds like me gold. <laughs> Looks like me gold. Smells like me gold. I'm like, OK, this was a lot, but they wanted to do rules of three. Then he goes, tastes like me gold. I'm like, wow. Is that not from an old Lucky Charms commercial? Am I wrong? Oh, about that? is that what they're referencing? Because then he goes, oh, I could be wrong. No, maybe it is. Because after at the end, he goes, me golden, my delicious gold. Yeah. And so if he's saying delicious, yeah. they were going for that. Because at that point, I was like, why does he think it's yeah. delicious? Man, I could take down a bowl of Lucky Charms. Oh, right well, we have it in our house, a Do box, you? and I eat them. They're delicious. I'm I'm doing dry January and no sugar. And I'm just, Lucky Charms sounds so good right now. What can you, what brings you joy? Whacking it? <laughs> you don't do no nut January, do you? No, I do full nut January. <laughs> Where you're just constantly. Yeah, I'm doing Never it right stopping. Now. I mean, thank you for not saying that I'm doing this on mic. That does sound like a Hellraiser type of torture. <laughs> like you will ejaculate for all eternity. <laughs> um, I, when I say dry January, I mean, I'm only having dry martinis. <laughs> uh, uh, fat daddy's in the house and he's got to get a little a little unfat oh I don't think you what are well, you talking about I'm wearing uh, I oh, another didn't... thing in that edge of darkness Joe Don Baker's in it and he plays of course you know like a, a loose cannon American CIA guy irascible and we, uh, and one time the main guy comes over to his apartment it's in the morning and he's just wearing a caftan but like a thin, like bed sheet caftan with a low cut. Oh, neck. like a Brando esque. else. Yes, exactly. It is the strangest thing. <laughs> oh I'd like to think that he was like, I think my character and the director's <laughs> like, yes. Um, anyway. the, um, I did like the hand through the phone, but that's a full on Freddy rip off yeah, of the tongue, right? Yeah, it has to be. And, and it just also asks more questions about what can lube done do and not do well the thing that i most wondered what does he know and can do and can't do uh is like um when he jumped out of the kitchen cabinet and he went door number two or try behind door number two and i was like thinking before he got put in the crate in 1983 he was watching let's make a deal yeah and so all of his cultural references end <laughs> at 1983 <laughs> So when he's brought out, they're like referencing like <laughs> raising Arizona. He's like, what's this shit now? <laughs> uh, um, let's do a joke about Dixie's midnight runner. Uh, now. The part where I thought it was like not classy, not Joe Dante level prestige animation is when just he, one part <laughs> it's the most egregious okay when he went through that fence and then the outline of his body yeah that was bordering on roger rabbit there yeah yeah um and then they find out that you can kill him with a four-leaf clover pat uh plucked fresh from the clover patch 
And so here we got this city girl now knee deep in a clover patch at night. <laughs> How much she's changed. What an oh arc. God, wow. Um, now, I like the part when they're looking through the clovers and uh, Ozzy goes, Hey! Oh, never mind. Ugh. I wanted that to happen like eight more times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, with the Lucky Charms, that kid says, "Yeah, fuck you, Lucky Charms. And then slingshots right into the mouth. That kid should play carnival games. <laughs> yeah. Win me a big stuffed pink bear or something. Yeah. And in Brantley's notes, the director had to fight for that line. Right. I'm glad he did. Yeah. Um, but the uh, I did think it was weird to get the clover to work or something. Jennifer Aniston had to go. I believe, I believe, and it was kind of supposed to be this like Amblin Spielberg moment yeah. where like the character actually, but it was such a funny, sarcastic '90s irony time that she he has a he goes, "What am I supposed to do? They want me to go? I believe, I believe," yeah. and then it starts glowing like yeah. her sarcasm, like the clover couldn't understand sarcasm. <laughs> Maybe it just has to hear the words; it doesn't yeah. have to feel uh, it. Seems genuine. It's like chat box Shakespeare. Um, but that's, um, the other Roger Rabbit moment was the, when you find out that he had the gold coin the whole time. Yeah. Um, and some promise of a sequel at the end there, Matt. Oh, for sure. And we get it. Yeah. And we're going to do the whole franchise now, right? Oh, Christ. Uh, so should we pick best kill? Yeah. I think Mrs. O'Grady going down the steps, uh, there's just, was it enough kills? No. And the ones they had weren't, they didn't hurt yeah, or stick they, because they, they weren't main characters. I'm trying to think. So there's the cop getting his neck broke. The coin collector, the pogo stick the, guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll go pogo stick just for how <laughs> stupid it is. Uh, Good. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's read some Zenos here. Yes. And then we'll give you our final Great. ranking of Leprechaun. Uh, Chris Kinwright wants Paul to read out Chris Fistner in his scream, baby, with that. Oh, oh wait, we already did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not going to know where these last one ends. Uh, I think we did that. Uh, when did we last record? Mm, last Thursday? Uh, no, wait, we read that one. Oh, we, it was uh, the 9th. Okay. Monday the 9th. Okay. Do we do Sean Crooks and Taylor Norwood? Read by the Southern Lawyer. Oh, you might have gotten two readouts, <laughs> if that's the case. Well, God bless you. All of us need a little something extra these days. And, and then finally, uh, Eric A. Benner, 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 no special requests. He's just saying hi Aww. and thanks. Thanks, hey, Eric. buddy. Okay, thanks for listening. Yeah. So we'll be back, uh, not next week, but the week ap after with the April Fool's Day. Yeah, we'll read our final num numerical review, and, and then we'll toss off to your song. I mean, tease out to your song. <laughs> it's Busta Not January <laughs> with Gorley and Russ. Yeah, okay. and I think the song, uh, we'll do I Can't. 
Okay. By 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 Don't Stop Roll Die. What well what can you tell well tease it first. What can you tell us about this song? Uh, is there a story behind it? No uh uh horns. There's some horns. <gasps> and who'd you get to play the horns? Michael. Michael. Yeah, Michael does it. Yeah, that. yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for horns. Stay tuned for horns. Out of thirteen, what are you gonna give Leprechaun? I gotta think about this. Oh, because I'll 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 see a yes. recap here. Uh, Black Christmas, of course, we both gave thirteen. New Year's Evil, I gave an eight point five. You gave it a nine. My Bloody Valentine, I gave an eleven. You gave it an eleven point five. I have mine. Okay, seven and a half. Seven point five. I'm gonna go four point five. So I think it's better than average, and you think it's below average. I do. Yeah. 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 Hey, that's yeah. what makes this podcast magic. But I have high hopes for April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. i only seen it once, long, long ago. And we're going to get our hunk boy from this and that. I know. Two hunks in a crunk? Is yeah, that what the That's the, that's the saying. Yeah, two hunks in a crunk. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, a joy as always. Very much so. Enjoy the Don't Stop Her Will Die song, and we'll be back in two American weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>
your enemies For a minute there I fell out of style So get me to the chapel please Would you ever take a walk down the aisle To marry someone you just met Got a list of grudges as long as the Nile But I'm willing to forgive and forget patreon.com slash with Whirly and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Whirly, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candyman.